This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanations, but not necessarily the only ones, to the mysteries we will examine. They'd been reported at dusk or in the dead of night in clearings amid still woods and fields in lonely farm country. Sometimes they come in silence, sometimes with quiet thunder. Often they leave marks in the earth, signals of their passing. They've been seen but fleetingly, and their extraordinary presence creates a frightening mystery. In fields from West Virginia through Wisconsin to Oregon are the beginnings of answers. Hi, I'm Jeremy. I'm a dork living in Portland, Oregon who spent too many years listening to podcasts and not doing anything creative. This is my attempt to rectify that, to create and contribute something where I talk to people about their cultural obsessions and try to give some recommendations of my own. Welcome to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. You know, I just posted that I was I was podcasting about aliens right now on Twitter, and somebody was like, "Are you pod, are you podcasting on something else? Should I follow something else?" And I'm like, "Yes, no, follow giving yeah. the mic. I've no. been on here since like a year, and it's been really great for me to realize that I'm fucking dumb as shit, and that I have a lot to learn <laughs> about podcasting. Because <laughs> when you do it yourself, you know, it's like, yeah." I'm sure you've been through that learning curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For years and years, you know, it was like I was sitting in my room talking to myself into a microphone because it was just me. Yeah. I would interview people, but, you know, I I had to do the introductions. And especially the first year, it was just – I felt very much like I did when I was um, 12 talking into a tape recorder pretending to be on the radio. Yeah. Yeah, it was that experience. Yeah. and recently, I was I was on Michael Brooks' show, and oh, Michael nice. Brooks is um I love his stuff. He's great. Yeah, and it's like he he's like I, I had him on my show, and then I was on his show, and he's like sitting in a studio somewhere, and I'm sitting with my USB microphone in my office next to my laundry. It's mm-hmm. a weird kind of experience, you know. It's like okay, uh, but and oh, I, I uh, mentioned this to a guy who writes about the media and technology. Uh, David uh, Arbach, and he he was like, yeah, what that means is not that podcasting and, and amateur podcasting is on the way up. It means that the mainstream is on the way down. So <laughs> you know, everything's crashing. I don't know if he's right, though. Well, I think like podcasting is sort of like having a garage band in this day and age, but it's also one that you have to do with love and you have to do with a little bit of, I guess, more understanding of the medium as a whole i'm not i wasn't big on radio i mean the 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 equivalent of me recording on a tape recorder at that time was probably like one of those things that they gave you like the things that kids got after they watched home alone and they were like oh i can get that recorder and like handycam 2000 or whatever that thing was called yeah and like i slow my voice down and play it back again but yeah i talk boy the talk boy yep Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah i'm i'm definitely under i'm I'm not like credentialed at all, and I don't have any experience with it. But I think, and you have, 
an interesting thing to incorporate other people into because I think a lot of podcasting is about guesting and having people that know something about something talk about something as I continue to talk about stuff I don't know. Yeah, that's my favorite part about it. Yeah, I like podcast. I think it. I do think it's a leveler, and I think that the the other thing, great thing about podcasting is as you do it for longer, you develop. I mean, that's all. Just you, yep. you develop, and and it 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 becomes a. It, it, it brings you lots of opportunities you wouldn't have if you didn't do it. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's like a really performative art. You keep doing it. You, the more stage time you have, the better you get at it. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of getting at it, um, it's well for. Let's see how to. Um, let's see for like I wrote down like a like a handful of topics on my little notepad here. Um, there was one topic just getting because I think Jacob uh, Jacob did want to get into the Posadists and the connection between uh, communism and UFOs. I'm a Posadist now. Um, we should, are you? I don't know. Am I? Let's find out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we uh, at some point we um, he also wanted to get into like the government relationship between both UFO studies and also the cover up, which means that we should get into uh, we should at some point we should mention Project Blue Book. And even dare I say the episode of Quantum Leap that uh, that name checks it by. Uh, Look, I don't want you sticking any of your pop culture garbage into this discussion. This Wait, we're not going to talk about X Files. No, we're not going to talk about X Files at all. We can talk about how that helps promote the research that went into this. Argument about whether or not to stick pop culture garbage into the UFO experience okay I was gonna say, sorry well that's the weird thing is like yeah the uf well ufos what if they have never not been what a, like a pop culture artifact absolutely i've just did a podcast on war of the worlds and i'm sorry but spot saucers and people from other planets have always been part of our culture and reflected it and influenced it even but, but i i'm with jacob here i think we should start by talking about the phenomenon as if it is Real. Which I mean, it is. I it think is it's real. really a good thought of ex- thought experiment to to ask yourself the question: What if all of this isn't malarkey? Which it's not. It's well, not. right. I mean, I, I'm on the fence, right? I mean, I I'm certainly willing to entertain the notion that it's not, but I have not ever been convinced that it isn't. I mean, I, I, when I'm not on drugs, I've never been convinced that it isn't. So, um, but I, I I think it's worthwhile just as a thought experiment to consider what it would mean if it was true right i think it's almost it's at some point it's kind of like it it very um it's like two separate two separate topics that have kind of been merged into one which is um seeing weird shit in the sky and the second one um kind of the the explanation of that is you know what? You know, theorizing or check that hypothesizing what that weird shit actually was, and coming to a, a, a certain set of answers that were very different from when uh, civilizations past saw weird shit in the sky. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, um, okay, so we got a uh, relationship with UFO research and whatnot. Also, we can we can we can, we can probably mention President Carter. Um, that's about right. And I, so I got yeah I got like four things that I have written out, and judging from how our conversations usually go, um, that's that's enough of a, that is enough of a of a of a seed stock to uh, to begin with. Uh, can, I, can I just say one thing? It's like we can like to start out with, we can all agree that people today are seeing weird shit in the sky, that UFOs as far as being unidentified flying objects. 
definitely exist, and right. yes, that, and and that it it's harder to surprise people about what's in the sky today than it would have been even 50 years ago, and certainly much more difficult than it would have been, say, before the invention of uh, flight. That that we that we are today when we say that we people have seen weird shit in the sky, that that is not just seeing something in the sky, but it's seeing something unusual. Well, we can start absolutely. there. I just yeah. want to I just want to jump in and say that the preferred nomenclature these days is actually uh, UAP or unidentified aerial phenomena. Mm. It's because it's not necessarily flying. Um, well, I mean, I guess aerial would imply that, but it's not necessarily a ship. I oh. mean, there's a lot of just sort of really weird stuff that is being observed in the sky and um it makes sense and also i was reading the wikipedia page today because i was trying to be cool um the first noted sightings were in 1897 and it was first started in omaha nebraska when somebody basically lit a balloon like a, like a basket and put it up in a balloon and then the next one was in texas where some kids basically put a lit thing on the leg of a turkey vulture and they found out when the turkey vulture landed on the nearby school and burnt it down to the ground. And then there was other ones, but, you know, 1897. Successful mission. Well, there's actually a lot of debate over the origins, because actually a lot of people have tied a lot of mythological stuff mm -hmm. into that. There's, Absolutely. There's some old... Egyptian. There, yeah. Well, even the Bible has some... Yeah, uh, Ezekiel's stories. wheel. Right, yeah. is wheel. the classic example. Wheel in the sky keeps on turning. Yep. Mm -hmm. Big wheel keep on... Uh, That's my favorite part of it, to be honest burning. with you. I think it's the most interesting, because I do believe that... The phenomenon that people were seeing in the sky, like, and they were very deeply tied to that cosmology, which was really interesting. They're much more so than we are. Like, we rarely look up, but when we do, when we see something, we are completely enraptured by it. I know I was. It was uh, like driving back from Vegas on the 60 and looking up, and there's like over like, um, like Luke Air Force Base and or like Barry Goldwater Reserve or whatever and seeing my first like formation and flares and I had an existential crisis I like I literally sitting in the car I'm like open up the fucking sunroof we have to look at this right now it's so beautiful they're there and I, I actually believed for a second there like I did like I really wanted to uh, remind me, at some point I'm going to tell my um, I'm going to tell my dad's story in fact it might even we might even call him and um, uh, later on like I'll call him and, and talk to him about his his army story mm -hmm. and uh, and like cut that into the show at some point Doug is there anything um, what did you particularly wanted to bring up you mentioned some subjects before and I'm just kind of curious if you have because uh, you had a couple things you wanted to mention and um, if you had any well, thoughts I mean, about I, how, I, how you uh, to work been interested in UFOs I've been interested in them for a long time. Um, for a long time, I've decided that they are that the evidence for flying saucers or the extraterrestrial hypothesis is sketchy at best, and that there's so many uh, false stories, or you know, there's so many stories that turn out to be completely bogus that to believe that we've been contacted by extraterrestrials is a leap of faith. It's not one that I'm willing to take at all. Uh, what I was in the past, um, when I was young and, and looking for something to believe in, but I, I don't now. Um, but the other thing I'll, I guess I'll mention is I've written a book about UFOs called um, After the Saucers Landed, which we might talk about later if you guys want to. But I, I really want to hear what it. Jacob – I want to hear his spiel. I want, I mean, I want to be – 
preached to by a believer. I want to I want to enter into this, um, you know, conversation with my uh, defenses down and, and starting with the idea that, look, people have seen weird things in the sky. It's been in the news lately that the government is actually investigating and we don't know what a lot of these things are. And I don't have all the evidence in front of me. I'd like to hear what what Jacob has to say. Well, I'm personally agnostic as far as ETH uh, or extraterrestrial mm-hmm. hypothesis, but I don't necessarily buy a lot of the arguments that people make against it, one of which is it would be impractical for them to come all the way here because even with our currently existing technology, the idea of sending you know, autonomous drones is, I think, entirely reasonable. It is. And, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we get to the point in the next, you know, 20 years, everybody's talking about automated driving, but it would not be that difficult to set something up that would, for example, automate taking care of herds of animals. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I would imagine that the conversations that those animals would have would not be entirely dissimilar to ours. I think, I, I don't think that we're necessarily being farmed, but I... No zoo hypothesis. Yeah, I don't subscribe to that. But I'm saying, you know, for whatever reason, I could see that we are experiencing something entirely other that we don't understand. Absolutely. And that our glimpses of it just mean that we have no way of understanding it. I'm also not entirely convinced that the extraterrestrial hypothesis is the most efficacious, considering the fact that there's a lot of reports that indicate that there may be something uh, actually extra-dimensional. Yes, I agree with this entirely. Yeah, so that also gets around ETH fairly conveniently. And uh, if you want to talk about government reports, um, there's a guy named Nick Redfern, who I'm a big fan of, who wrote a book uh, at, I'm trying to remember the name of, but basically it describes a actual government project that dug into these experiences and came to the conclusion that not only was the phenomena real, that abductions were real, but that also it was quasi-demonic in nature. Oh, I like this. Well, that's, yeah. that's, that's vaguely medieval. Speaking of vaguely medieval, hello, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. I am your host, Jeremy. We, are, we join our conversation in media res. oversaturation res. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, three guests joining me tonight, all return visitors to our uh, scenic uh, basement, uh, sunny uh, basement studio apartment studios. Um, I will now let them, we'll now go around the horn and have everyone introduce themselves. Uh, starting remotely, remote guests, could you please uh, announce yourself for the viewing audience? Okay, so my name is Douglas Lane. I'm the publisher of Zero Books and uh, not the host of this podcast, but uh, also a novelist. Uh, I've written books such as After the Saucers Landed and uh, coming soon, um, Bash Bash Revolution. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad to join in a conversation that's not about left politics, but about what we see in the skies. Well, don't, don't see. Don't don't get too ahead of yourself there. I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll get to left politics. Yeah. Yeah. And the voice you just heard was Jacob Spooky Mercy. Uh, the book I was thinking of is Final Events and the Secret Government Group on Demonic UFOs and the Afterlife, written by Nick Redfern. Uh, I have a copy, so if you want to borrow it, just hit me up. I may hit you up. Um, I'm Nat. 
I am a frequent guest on this podcast and the most useless person here. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Not at all. I'm the host. Of, yeah, how much? How useful do you think I I am? <laughs> Mulder, it's me. You know. Um, yeah. I host Meta Machina, which is another podcast that nobody knows about. Um, wait, no, yours is much more known than mine. Um, I cut that part. Damn it! Why do I even speak? Okay, all oh. right. And I, I, I don't no, no self, no self editing allowed. Yeah, my only knowledge of UFOs comes from being traumatized as a young child by my mother, who loved both. Um, she really loved DB Sweeney and wanted me to watch Fire in the Sky at five years old, and that was a traumatized experience. And like ever since, I've been obsessed. Oh wow. I think the X-Files would be a much better show if, like, half the cases that they worked just turned out to be mundane. Mm -hmm. So Scully was actually right half the time. Yeah. Like, I, 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 that always drove me nuts. It should have been, like, you know, they should have added a lot more Scooby-Doo into that, like old school Scooby-Doo. Absolutely. And they're like, oh, it's just this asshole. Okay, never mind. Get right on your mic. It's no. like Law and Order SVU. Yeah. Yeah, There's like, a natural answer to all it. All right. Yeah, but, like, every episode of that show is, Mulder, there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for how a giant lizard man managed to crawl out of that bathroom. And then there isn't. And there's like 50 witnesses. Like, and well, the, she's never able to prove that there wasn't. So, that's it's true. Really oh, but, but we were talking about the different uh, hypotheses, the different theories that uh, might explain the blinking lights that some people see in the skies. And you had mentioned that you thought the extra-dimensional uh, hypothesis might be stronger than the extraterrestrial one. And I just want to say, like, I think that that just adds another complication. To the problem, um, the first thing that we have to establish is that there aren't terrestrial explanations for what's being seen in the sky. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think it's complicated because it's very difficult to break one piece of this apart and examine it in isolation. You have the lights in the sky, and that's one thing, but you also have... And I say this as somebody who attends MUFON meetings, a lot of people who I find really credible who have had some really unusual experiences. And I'm not just talking about people who have strange dreams. I'm talking about people who are awake, who report abduction phenomena. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole other element. And it's often you, you, you see a lot of really weird recurring patterns. And you would expect this where you see UFOs and then reports of abduction start kicking in. Okay, yeah. but when it comes to the abduction experience mm -hmm. my position on it is you just have to throw everything we thought we knew about that completely away that the researchers uh involved in abduction experiences so thoroughly poisoned the well are you talking about but, like how in the 90s there was that whole like i'm talking about up hypnosis? until you know maybe five to uh, i mean more like seven years ago uh -huh. i mean i interviewed Bud Hopkins, who was a major uh, abduction researcher, and I interviewed him towards the end of his life. He had just put out uh, his um, autobiography, and he was at the time embroiled in scandal. One of his um, partners, I forget the guy's name, uh, was being not quite sued, but I mean, it, it, you're talking about back on it from. Are you talking about ahead. David M. Jacobs? Yes, yes. Yeah, well, so he was actually investigated by Harvard, but Harvard actually ultimately never found against him in any way. They said that right. he was entirely... Yeah, but it does, see, it doesn't matter whether or not he... From where, from where I'm sitting, it doesn't matter whether or not he could be found guilty of, I don't know, some sort of... Influence? Harassment, or... David, David Jack... What is this guy's name again? David M. Uh, Jacobs. 
Yeah, David M. Jacobs, he was a partner of Bud Hopkins, an abduction researcher, and he developed a relationship with an abductee or an experiencer, and, uh, you know, over long distance, they they would write to each other, they would talk on the phone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there were a few instances where he put her uh, under hypnosis over the phone. Oh, dear. uh, uh, Yeah, that can be questionable. Bring forward memories. You know, she thought that she had been mistreated. There was no finding that she had been uh, uh, mistreated against her will or that he had intentionally done anything to her exactly. But his methodology and mindset was certainly discredited by the whole affair. So prim- I mean, he, he believed things at times, like, for instance, when people would uh, use uh, instant messenger to talk to him and claim to be aliens while they were talking to him over instant messenger. Um, he would apparently completely believe that he was talking to aliens. Wow, this is like coast to coast. Um, so, well, I mean, Jacobs was a has Rapier Gregory and actually appeared on uh, Art Bell's later show. Uh, I think it was Dark Matter. Yeah, they've all of them made the rounds on those kinds of programs, you know. Uh, but but anyway, I myself talked about Hopkins. I thought he was a very interesting guy, a uh, 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 a kind person. A, a talented, creative person, but he was an artist. Yeah, and he was, he, and his methodology was the methodology of a creative artist, and not someone who was investigating the truth. He brought these abduction experiences together to create a story and a vision, in the same way that he would bring together ideas and 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 uh, material to make a sculpture or a painting. Um, and I, I just don't believe that the abductee researchers have any credibility at all yeah so, I, and when I, you're talking about anecdotal experiencers you know stories that you hear while you're at the MUFON meeting well i'm sorry i don't really buy any of it uh until there's some sort of method you know systematic investigation of that kind of experience because you're talking about a situation where people are uh in- invited to uh tell stories about their experience and gain social prestige for what they've Experience. Not that I'm saying I'm not saying they're lying. I'm just saying that is a climate where truth can easily be lost. Can um, real quick? Can you um, let's let's back up just a second. Can yeah. you get, um, explain to the viewing audience who Bud Bud Hopkins was? Yeah, Bud Hopkins was uh, an abstract uh, expressionist painter first and foremost. When when uh, from about what era? Well, he started painting in the 50s, and he okay, would cool. hang around with people like – well, he knew Jackson Pollock, and he, he hung around with um, some of the other pretty well-known um, – uh, Mark, Roth, Mark Rothko, uh, abstract expressionists, and, and he uh, – but he was young for that crowd. He, like, he was a newcomer mm-hmm. when they were well-established, but he, he was an abstract expressionist uh, in the 50s and 60s and into the 70s. He made a small career for himself. You know, he has um, pieces in major museums like um, the Metropolitan in New York. He he, he was a he was a, a, an artist, a, not a major artist, but a fine artist with a reputation. And um, he also, at the, uh, sometime in the seventies, I believe, started to be interested in the UFO phenomenon. We have uh, done our audience survey here, and I was actually quite amazed because most of the people here are um, do not deny, say that there might be or they don't know. 
And this is Mr. Bud Hopkins, who has been researching the subject for quite some time. This is his second book. It's called Intruders, The Incredible Visitations at Copley Woods. His first book was called Missing Time, and you're working on a third book. When Mr. Hopkins is not working on books, he's actually an artist, and quite a well-known artist, um, because he has works in the Guggenheim Museum, and one must be of a certain a high-level strata to end up in the Guggenheim. So how does one go from doing wooden sculptures in the Guggenheim to writing books about UFOs and visitations and aliens? Well, Dini, actually, I began and still am essentially an artist, and I had no interest in the UFO subject at all. <clears throat> and I had a daytime sighting of a UFO 25 years ago uh, over Cape Cod that lasted about three minutes along with two other people. And that what, did you see? what did you see? We saw a small uh, circular grayish disk which hovered and flew very quickly uh, away from us. We saw it from a distance from the side. We more or less saw underneath it that it was completely circular, no details. We tried to explain it every way we could. And sure. uh, then finally, as I was slowing down and we were looking at it, it suddenly shot across the road behind us very fast and we jumped out. And wrote uh, articles about it for like the Village Voice and other publications and eventually started writing books about it and bringing people into his house to be hypnotized and to uh, tell their stories of abduction. All right, for most of us who think about uh, UFOs and, and aliens, that we have a concept in our mind that people have either seen what you have seen or they have been taken <coughs> on a spaceship and they've had an encounter. Right. But what happens in your first book, Missing Time, and the people you are about to meet is quite a different experience. And it, it is um, something that you discovered through a tremendous amount of research and interviews and, and which hypnosis was used. In many cases, hypnosis is used. And he, co you know, and he, and he cr created an archive of data and uh, you know, tried to figure out what was going on and, and, and developed a story about um, aliens in, uh, coming to Earth, abducting people, mating people, uh, creating hybrids between aliens and, and it sounds humans. Like he was trying to create a mythology. The, the term is hubrids. Hubrids? Okay. Hubrids. Oh, God. It's, uh, they, they, what a yeah, <laughs> the, the, the horrible puns, ladies and gentlemen. That's, uh, that's, that's an amazing story, though. Cause... I don't think that's a. I don't. I think that's more of a David M. Jacobs thing than a Bud Hopkins thing, though. Just to be clear. Okay. You, you don't. Thing. You don't think? No, Bud Hopkins totally believed that there were extraterrestrials, like aliens, on the Earth, walking amongst us, and that there was a project of selective breeding to create a new species. I was just I was just referring to the hubrids terminology, oh, which I think oh, is okay, unique okay. to Jacobs. But. Yeah, and vaguely references a certain Misfits album. Okay, uh, a number of questions popped to mind. Um, for example, if you were staring at a hybrid, would you know it? No, you would not know it. And if you knew it, that person wouldn't be there. Well, then I that 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 would suggest a more subtle. Um, merging of the species, if you want to put it that way, uh, because they, they certainly look more human than they do anything else, right? I call them hubrids. They are bred to look human, and not just human, but average human that will not stand out, that blends in, period. If they're too tall, not a chance of coming down here. If they got too big a nose, not going to happen. If their eyes are too big, nope. 
they have to look absolutely average. Normal. Now, here's the thing. All gray aliens and all hybrids and all hubrids and all other beings on board the object have one interesting trait. They can control people's minds neurologically mm-hmm. and make them do or think uh, uh, or see anything that they want them to do or see or uh, think or see. And we can't do that to them. That is an astoundingly huge difference. It is. It's a difference, it's a difference between species. It makes us a second-class species and them a first-class species. It's not like they're just kissing cousins who live, who live off in somewhere else and they're coming to visit us and all the rest of that stuff. That's not what this is about. You've got to remember, this is a huh. global phenomenon. This goes around the world. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so we're so um, okay. We're we, uh, we bring about how so I, I guess I'm I'm pushing this sort of skeptic view, but I just think I feel like if we're going to ta- start talking about abductees and those kinds of experiencers and or that that kind of story, we have to be really clear that all of uh, most all of the so-called data. Involved in that is completely corrupted. We yeah. can't really take any of it seriously. Well, I am a chronic sleep paralysis sufferer, and I yeah, right there you go. I've been through experiences that felt real to me. I felt like I was awake. I felt like I was alive and well, and lying in my bed paralyzed, and lights coming in through my window, and people breaking in through my doors, and hearing sounds. And I actually had you know, I've had visual and auditory hallucinations to the point where I thought I was, when I woke up, I just couldn't distinguish reality from irreality. So I think yeah. that there's a whole point of it, and hypnosis was such a weird botched science throughout the 80s and 90s especially where you have all this like satanic panic bullshit about oh yeah we experienced all of this and we've regressed it and it's not real obviously and yeah like there is a lot of definite bunk science and there's no way of disproving it because again it is subjective experience but the fact that exists in people's minds as a mental construction does not discount its reality for the people that are experiencing it in my mind like you i i am well i mean it discounts its reality as ter- in terms of something that we might refer to as objective truth but it yeah. doesn't discount its cultural significance or its psychological impact or you know or what it tells us about the human imagination or any of that but none of that is central to the main question of like what is in the skies is being reported that's actually being investigated right now by the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, th- those are – I really think you have to separate out some of the lore and some of the reports and and, and say, look, some of this information – I'm not saying it's none of it's true. I'm not saying no one has ever abducted. I don't know. I just know that we don't have a good – methodology for investigating that that question we've done what's been done in by ufologists and that terrain has been abysmal it's not it's been a it's been a a creative project and not a not an investigation at all well that's my that's my opinion anyway so but you know i don't know everything i know bud hopkins i know about david uh jacobs i kind of i don't even know his name but i know bud hopkins i talked to him and i know a little bit about the scandal but is is there someone more credible than those guys on that topic I think it depends on the issue, but as far as the 
abductees, I would say, I think you need to make a distinction between these experiencers, because in some cases, they aren't coming forward, they aren't talking about it, they have to be coaxed into it. And some Mm -hmm. of these people are highly reluctant. And some of these people, you know, I know of at least one case where this person is not willing to come forward, is not willing to discuss it with with the larger community, and is... Really disturbed. Yeah, that does in no way does that make that story more credible. Right, it makes my it point far is, less credible. To my me. point is, and that I, I think we're throwing out the baby here. with a bathwater here. And, and, and this hup. is important, not just in UFOs. It's important in general. If someone won't report the story, won't bring forward the facts, but tells you in private, then that story is less credible than it would be if they would report the story and will bring forward the facts. And and I'd say this like, I have a friend who reports to me all the time about kind of strange mystical experiences that he's had but he never follows it up never tries to track it down track down what actually happened because it's part of his own personal mythology and i you know i love the guy he's a good friend close friend of mine but i don't think any of it is true in the the sense of like objectively true i know i'm being a bully at this point so i'll shut up for a while okay but here's the thing i mean you can be a bully all you want but you're you're doing something worse here which is trying to have it both ways because your initial argument was that these people aren't plausible because they're coming forward. Now you're making the claim that they're not plausible because they're not coming forward. Yeah, but I, mean, I wasn't saying that at all. That, I didn't but say they were saying, plausible because they came ways. forward. I'm saying that the set of data that we had from people who had experienced it and reported on it was all corrupted because of the research methods used by ufologists. So the data we have is corrupted. I didn't say that it was corrupted because they came forward. I said it was cu- it was corrupted because of the, the the lack of any kind of sincere methodology in those researchers. Due to okay, the me- that was that's what I said. Yeah, due I didn't the- say it was corrupt because they came forward. I didn't say they were seeking fame. Or I didn't try to explain their psychological motivations at all. I said, look, the research that we have on this subject is no good. And and anything that you tell me is anecdotal on that kind of fantastical story, I have to just sort of pocket. I can't do anything with that as far as I'm concerned. But but when it comes to, like, you know, real research that's being done, even by amateurs, if they have some standards, that I'll be interested in. Yeah, that makes me think that, like, the new science that you could get out of it just from neural scanning and from... You know, MMR, MR, uh, MRIs. Magnetic, yeah. yeah, and also from doing it in a method. I mean, obviously, like, you're not going to get the, the research funding and the grants to actually do this work, but I think it would actually be pretty useful for me, in a sense, because I honestly think that there are some ties between the psychological experiences that we have and also the zeitgeist of the world around us, whether or not it's true in terms of what we're experiencing. And I, I, I'm like literally part of that kind of group that wants to believe that there's something bigger and better out there or more interesting. I would like to see real hard science uh, like actually go after this. On that note, um, let us... I think got see this is this is why we all this is why I wanted I prefer everybody to be here in real time because it makes these things a lot easier. But um, it's like we get two different ways to split. One is out. Uh, one is to either we go to the talking about when like certain gov- uh, American governmental functions have you know researched these things with actual scientists or people who they claim was. Um, actually, yeah, it's. Um, or the other thing was I, I wanted to get on tape just talking about if uh, 
offering up a bit more like back history for folks about you know, if, if someone could summarize the 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 initial like abductee story, which I think is like a like a mid sixties thing, wasn't it? Uh, you mean Betty and Barney Hill? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug, what are you feeling? Which which way are you uh, are you leaning to go towards? Should we go towards the recounting the initial abductee story, or should we segue more into talking about say? Um, the kind of uh, what pre-war, post-war? Yeah, let's say post-war American government um, efforts to uh, to like to study these things. Well, unless there's an abductee story that I'm not aware of, or a, a, an abductee researcher who pe- that any one of you guys think is um, reputable, uh, I think we should go towards the the post-war, you know research that was done by the government and and mm-hmm. the kinds of things that came out you know in, in documents like project blue book and and um those kinds of ufologists and and the kinds of research that had some a little bit more credibility yeah and let's be distinct here it wasn't like the government projects where they were sending weather balloons up with microphones to you know spy on the soviets and their nuclear tests it's more like the actual tests that they were doing to study actual ufos well i think well but that's the fun thing is they were both concurrent Mm -hmm. and they might actually uh, some of the ufo research cases might have actually covered some of those weather balloons so it gets really complicated which is yeah. I mean, we didn't have working, we didn't have working man-made satellites for like for a decade after. Sputnik. We get um, like you said, uh, weather balloons were a hell of a, were a hell of a lot more achievable, low tech. And you, you know, you put a couple like cameras and some radio shit on you know, on a balloon, you can do a lot more. You can out than. Uh, but they were really complicated balloons, from what I saw. Like they. No, yeah were extremely complicated. Like, they actually designed new things to make those. And I find that fascinating that the space race, like, legitimately created this whole genesis of this weird shit that people didn't understand because the science was too fast for human comprehension in terms of our, like, society and population. We just did not know what was happening. So we had to create this mythology around it, which I find really great. Like, it's influenced pop culture but it's also influenced culture in general. Like it, it, it has always been there. I mean, War of the Worlds was written because the Belgians discovered artillery, you know, and the idea that you could wipe out mass populations was not something that they had thought of before. Just saying. Yeah, which I would say, which a, a potential branch for a future episode about yeah how. Um, how were you know, military uh, movements kind of like fed into uh, very budding uh, genre fiction? Um, well, uh, let's see. I think uh, Jacob, do you want to do you want to go with, um, speak on any of the um, I don't know. I guess open about any of the like, the more governmental um, aspects of it. The government aspect is something that I find the most interesting because I think it's actually the easiest thing to prove. I've actually filed some FOIA requests myself with regards to some information and not had the best results, but that's part of the game. There's a guy named, I think, John Greenwald, who has a really good website where he gets into this stuff a lot, and he, he has a lot of documentation. But the 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 thing I find most disturbing is the intersection between the government and UFOs insofar as their manipulation and, I think, demonstrable cover-up of a lot of this. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Project Blue Book was actually the third government research 
project into the UFO phenomena. It was preceded by sign and grudge, the first of which uh, actually came to the result that this was the result of unexplained phenomena that was extraterrestrial. I don't, I don't think they use the term extraterrestrial, but they basically say, you know, we don't think humans are responsible for this. And it was, uh, the, the, that report was actually destroyed, and they denied destroying it for years and years. Wow. Uh, but I think probably the most well-known case of them basically sticking their oar into things is the uh, example of Richard Doty, who was a uh, Air Force, uh, I'm trying to remember the, the, the exact term. Investigator or officer? Oh, he was a, he was a member of the uh, AFOSI. And he basically, uh, there was a researcher who, there, there was a really good documentary about this fairly recently, actually, uh, called Miragemen that got into some of this material. Miragemen? Mm-hmm. Nice. Hmm. Who put it out? I'm looking it up right now. It was released in 2014. Director Roland Denning. Former government agents discussed their involvement in shaping UFO, UFO mythology during the Cold War. I'm going to go grab a book off my shelf to... to hopefully contribute to this conversation yeah. just, Go for it. so I'll be right back I went to my UFO bookshelf which I found to be surprisingly bare I suppose over the years I have just lost interest and I don't know where those books even ended up but um, Powell's oh, yeah probably but I I, I have one on um, this written by a new ager called Waiting for the Martian Express by Richard Grossinger which I thought was an interesting book in 1991 um, it's kind of a then there's Roger. Uh, I'm sorry, Robert K. G. Temple, the serious mystery, which is another one of those. It's like just this side of um, the uh, what's what's that guy's that thought that the ancient astronaut hypothesis. Is, oh, um, is uh, God, uh, the Chariots of the God. Um, Chariots of Gods. Yeah. German dude, German name. Um, what the hell is that guy's name? In 1968. Just one year before Neil Armstrong's epic spaceflight, a book was published that forever changed the way many in the scientific, religious, and creative communities would view their home planet. Written by Swiss author Eric von Daniken, Chariots of the Gods attempted to prove that alien explorers had visited the Earth thousands of years ago. This is slightly more serious, but it's about a Dogen tribe uh, that seemed to have been had a religion ar around uh, the Sirius star system that seemed to have enough astronomical data in it that it made their mythology seem likely to connect to UFO contact. But really, if you dig deeper, it's somewhat specious. And then I had a book called um, Report on Communion, the facts behind the most controversial true story of our time by Ed Conroy, which is all like following up after Whitley Strieber's communion. And so those are the books I have, and all of it is garbage. I mean, none of it, I mean, it's garbage in terms of getting at truth. It's not garbage in terms of like if you're a science fiction writer and you want to play around with ideas. Just, right? is but, it, yeah, is it just like, just like, just methodo methodologically, like, just terrible? Or, like, they don't, it's like, they kind of like, is it the, the thing that, like, Art Bell would do, which is kind of, or I guess George Nori does this too, is just kind of like, you know, just incur, you know, total credulousness to encourage, um, a better, you know, a better story or just, you know, more contribution from whoever they were talking to. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, okay, so report on communion. So I haven't read this book in over 20 years, right? I mean, I read this book in probably 91, 92. And uh, at the time, I had just read Whitley Strieber's Communion, and I picked this book up as well. This is when I was really interested in the subject. Mm. And um, so I don't remember all the flaws in it, right? So I couldn't tell you exactly what's in this book. It's been so long. But I can tell you that Whitley Strieber himself over the years has acted in ways that discredit his original story and that it seems likely that he is what he appears to be, a science fiction writer writing a science fiction novel as nonfiction. Welcome to Larry King Live. Tonight, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Whitley Schrieber says they're really out there and they could be coming to get you. And life is but a dream. Dream reader Cook Giovanetti opens the hidden door to your soul. Now, here's Larry King. Good evening on this Monday night, a beautiful night in Washington, D.C. We hope it's nice wherever you are. Welcome to another night, another week of Larry King Live. Later we'll meet Cook Giovanetti and we'll get into the subject of dream interpretation. Our first guest tonight is author of the runaway bestseller, Transformation, The Breakthrough. He is Whitley Strieber. There is the book. It is published by Beach Tree Books, a division of William Morrow, and it is a continuation of his enormous bestseller, Communion. A continuation how, Whitley? Well, it's not really a continuation. What happened to me was, after I finally realized that this probably was real, I find in the sense that they were the planet. Well, people, something that was non-human, that was intelligent, and that was seemed to be—I don't know—from another planet. I, I would guess so. Where else? I mean, but uh, uh, I turned toward it and I started trying to, to to challenge it, to get through my fear. And over a period of months, I formed a relationship with them that I believe could be a template almost for uh, almost as if they have one end of a phone and we've had two wires. Now, if we start trying to have this relationship, we'll have a phone, too. Maybe. So, so, so transformation is the story of contact. It's the story of an attempt at a relationship with them. If they turn out to be real, as I think they are, then, yeah, it is a story of contact. When did, uh, when did his book originally publish? 1989, I believe. Okay, because it came out in 89, and then, then the film was like 91? 90, yeah, no, 91, because 91. Fire in the yeah. Sky was 92, 93. Right. I saw, yeah, and like Fire in the Sky, and like, I was 20 in 91. So um, was I was living on my own. You know, I dropped out of college. I was working for Osberg, and I was, you know, smoking pot and reading about... UFOs and talking to people and kind of was a uh, fruitcake, you know, or like yeah. not, you know. So, uh, so yeah, I was all into this stuff and and uh, and it was a big idea, I think, that was floating around like the different subcultures. Um, mm. The UFO phenomena was, you know, in certain subcultures, taken seriously and and. Um, so, so yeah, I picked up a report on communion, but then since then, over those what has it been twenty six years since then, yep. twenty seven years, um, you know, Whitley Strieber has gone through several iterations and he's gone deeper and deeper off the deep end, and it's clear that what he was aiming at was a career 
and not at uh, and and you know he kind of developed a little cult around himself. He ran a podcast for a while. He said wild things, and he's clearly part of an industry of mysticism and conspiracy. He's part of the a part of that industry. He's not. Right. He's not a serious person. Right. I mean, trying to come. Yeah. Trying. Uh, yeah. On the uh, on the commodification train. Yeah. I mean, I. It's you never want to just dismiss someone because of who they are, like some ad hominem. But, but none of the stories have ever been researched in any kind of serious way or method methodologically sound way. And given what he does in public and how inaccessible any kind of real information is about his stories you just have to dismiss it the the serious mystery book is one that has a a, a facade of being very scholarly but um you know as the years go by uh i've touched a little bit more on you know like understanding what real anthropological research might be like i mean not that i do it um, but I've had enough people tell me that this isn't actual anthropology. And then the Martian Express is just clearly a New Age book. Which it's, is. It's a New Age religious book and not a book about actual, you know, experiences. It's. So it. So I just think that the UFO phenomena is riddled with all sorts of mysticisms and uh, impenetrable. Uh, religious ideology and and that it is um, basically a, a version of a secular religion it's not um, well hold on are you are you attacking religion now or are you saying that <laughs> Christ didn't die for our sins can I can talk about how the, there's almost a blue oh. blue I don't want to I'm not I, look I think all? there's a great deal to learn from religion in terms of you know, mythology. You know, it, psychologically and socially, and in terms of the human imagination. Hey, and, I went. And, I, I and went philosophically. Yeah, even, but I went through. Catechism I don't think class. that literally it's true that there was a, that he was resurrected and that there's a God up in heaven. You know, I, I'll remain agnostic on the question of God, and I, I think you just have to remain agnostic about the question of UFO contact until there's good information. Natasha, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that I think. You have a perfect point there in terms of it being religious in basis. Like, there is an idea that has been bridged by the fact that, like, if you look at stuff like the Phoenix Lights or any other phenomena that happened, local news coverage treated it as an unknown and an unidentified thing and as a, as, as, as almost like a mysticism. The latest chapter into a strange valley encounter. Three months ago tonight, something strange happened in the skies over Arizona that still hasn't been fully explained. And in reality, we may never know exactly what happened that night. Tonight, first on Fox, we hear from a Phoenix family who may have been closer to whatever it was in the sky, closer than anyone else. It's getting closer and closer. It was saying... You know, that thing's coming right at us. Tim Lee and his family are among the hundreds of witnesses who've come forward to talk about the night of March 13th, an event now known as the Phoenix Lights. The Lees first saw the lights while looking north from their home in the Sunny Slope Mountains. When it finally got here and we realized this thing was coming right over us, we really started getting antsy. And then when it went directly overhead without a sound, it was like, it was like that. It was so big. You couldn't even hear the wind. It was so quiet. It was just... Yeah. 
it just didn't even do anything. It just came through. These images of what they saw are made on a computer. They're a combination of digital photos of the landscape taken by Lee and computer drawings of the objects his family saw in the sky. It was a giant V, all right? And the right side of the V went over us. The left side was like a couple blocks over it. I just didn't know what to do. You know, it was just like... My God, how big is this thing? It didn't seem threatening because when, when it was right overhead and we couldn't hear a sound, it was like you're just awestruck. Jim Delatoso has been researching UFOs for 20 years. Right now, he's in the middle of putting together a virtual reality model of what happened that night. He's talked to hundreds of witnesses about the night of March 13th, including the Lees. He thinks that he said if he had a tennis ball, he could have hit it. And if you go back to... You know, talk shows from the early 90s, they treated it as real. And so you have a, a large population of people that maybe don't have any religious basis, or they do, and they have this idea of things coming out of the sky, and they believed in it for a long time and appreciated it. And then you have the X-Files, of course. I mean, I'm sorry to mention it, but it, mm-hmm. it, it was formative for me, but it was also some of those things where I was like, oh, this is real. Like I never questioned it growing up. I, as a child, I thought that that was just the reality that we lived in. The government has been covering up UFOs since Roswell. And when you have that, you have a group of people that absolutely believe in it and and have a, like a, a spiritual connection to it in a way. Like It gives them meaning and purpose. And I really don't think that that's a bad thing. Honestly, Like I know that it doesn't mean anything to us to say like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely an agnostic and skeptic in many ways, but I'm also one of those people that's like, if you tell me your story and you had an experience and it was beautiful to you, that's all that really matters. You know, my dad told me of seeing a UFO. He probably was high on drugs and uh, right, 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 right. He just pulled over on the road and he's like, I saw the lights above me and they they called to me. And I'm like, as a seven-year-old child i was like this is the coolest thing i've ever heard of this is this means something like there's a world outside of my own mundane banal shit that i can actually appreciate and yeah i i I absolutely think that like the zeitgeist movement of ufos as they've kind of come out of all of the history that we've experienced I, i hope it continues actually like i really hope that people start to get more into it because imagining a world and aliens outside of yourself it's really fucking cool and it's fascinating and it makes you feel small in a good way it makes you understand that like the universe is bigger than you and maybe the planet you're on is dying and you've corrupted it and destroyed it and that maybe we should stop fucking killing each other and you know like yeah space well, communism okay, I, ha- I have two like i want to say two opposing things to that like on the one hand i definitely think that the power of the human imagination and the kind of beauty of what I'll just go ahead and call religious experience shouldn't just be dismissed. I'm not some sort of uh, no. Sam Harris type new atheist. <laughs> Thank you know? Christ. Right, right. So, Jordan okay. Peterson. I, I am. I'm actually going to go a step further than anybody else. I'm going to say, I don't think Christ existed. I'm a Christ mythicist. <laughs> Come at me, okay. bro. All right, all right. But let me get to the second prong of this. On the other hand, I, I do think that we should question our dreams. I'm a Zizekian here. It's mm-hmm. like when you think you've escaped ideology, that's when you're right in the thick of it. And when you're when you're having this beautiful, mystical, dreamlike experience, that's when you really need to pay attention and bring it back and, and think about it and critically because 
often enough, the things that we dream about, the ways that we we uh, envision escaping our society, are just rife with all sorts of presuppositions and mm-hmm. ideological constructs, and and that the very way that we dream about uh, escaping uh, just replicates all the the ideologies that block us from thinking clearly about how to change our political situation. Oh, I agree completely. I think that there's this whole idea that we're either being attacked or that we are creating a better world for ourselves, mm-hmm. and it's not always so clear where those lines lie. Yeah, my, my take was going to be uh, cut to the end of uh, Brazil. My favorite, One of my favorite movies of all time. One aspect of the UFO phenomenon that we also have to consider in all this, though, particularly with the abductee reports, is that the way that they're reported does not necessarily give you a tremendous sense of optimism and hope in things. I mean, I guess the one of the classic examples of that would be uh, what was described by Whitley Strieber, and that experience by his initial accounts at least seemed genuinely horrifying i think uh, listening to more recent discussions with him he seems to have come to grips with it in some ways but to a certain extent it seems like he's just sort of trying to uh psychologically justify what he went through are you you bringing you're bringing communion into this we were talking about communion before you guys came back um (laughs) can i just talk about how my mom made me watch communion um when i was four yeah yeah, the movie's the movie's fucking horror no 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 no. i i i I watched the hot takes of it recently the the edits and it's christopher walken ladies and gentlemen i know no, our, on, our audience might not know how I wonderful this is. I haven't I seen keep it. Going, so. Keep going. I'm just, yeah, full on I'm dead. Just going, yeah. Amen. Dude, yeah. Full on. Like full on dead yeah. zone. Yeah. Full on. Like Christopher Walken in like dead zone. Uh, uh-huh. The worst casting choice ever. Oh really. yeah. No. I mean, all of his dialogue <laughs> is delivered. Christopher Walken, aka SNL level Christopher Walken. When the doctor hypnotized me, I was supposed to recall prowlers or something, but in fact, I recall something else. I sure do. What? Little blue fuckers about that big. And yeah. I thought I saw But but I had nightmares about a little gray looking around a corner at me for years and I did not know where it came from. And as an adult I finally watched the movie and I was like, How was I scared of this as a child? Oh wait, this is just the first CGI that I've ever seen and it's just right. you know, like it's just the dumbest shit ever. But when you're a little kid it's a formative experience and so yes, do not watch that movie as a child, but as an adult watch it and make fun of it because it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> hey, uh year you know, years earlier uh, I'll say I'm, you know, several years earlier when the expanded version of Third and uh, of Close Encounters was broadcast that actually had like the extra bits that had the little like where they dressed up the kids as the greys running around and I saw that when I was six or seven mm-hmm. because my father who himself had witnessed um, something in the sky he could not explain which uh, a story that we'll hopefully we'll get to at some point in this uh, this episode um, you know love the film I mean it, yeah it, it's Spielberg at the top of his powers yeah. and but you know I saw it a bit too young mm-hmm. that's how it goes. And it's um, yep. freaked that you know freaked me the the hell out. Fire in the sky, and yeah. Uh. So Jacob, why do you take um, Whitley Strieber seriously? I don't. I just okay. mentioned him yeah. as an example of an addictee who had a profoundly negative experience, and I was contrasting that with Natasha's more 
humanistic. Oh, right, right. Yeah. But you don't think his story is true? I don't have an opinion about his story. Uh, although, I mean, actually, I'll go a step further and say, uh, I was going to mention this earlier, I don't find, I, I, I don't trust Bud Hopkins, and I think he may be a fraud. Well, he's dead. And, <laughs> and, 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 and That um, doesn't mean he's not a fraud. No, no, he was a fraud. And I, my opinion of Bud Hopkins is this. Um, he did not, he was not a charlatan if you think that a charlatan is someone who intentionally concocts a lie for their own self-betterment. I I just I don't know. How familiar are you with the uh Linda Napolitano abduction case? I'm familiar. And okay. I've read what his wife wrote, what Bud Hopkins' wife wrote. And what she described was what I would consider to be someone who was caught up in a religious reverie and who uh because of that tossed aside standards of evidence and be- and on some level didn't believe his own story, on some level did. Like it was it you, I think this is. We should maybe move to Posadism here. Mm-hmm. I think that the sure. Bud Hopkins um, uh, approach to uh, abduct, abductions and the way he treated the abductees when they would report stories to him is similar to the way people embrace uh, politics that involve revolution today. They, but they think that they do. They're caught up in some sort of ideology they don't it's a it's a self-confirming identity function or something it 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 doesn't actually like if you if if you put them in a situation where they were actually faced with a choice about whether or not to do something that would bring the wrath of the government and maybe destabilize destabilize a city or a state or you know do something that could overturn the system as it is or at least cause a lot of chaos nine times out of ten or even more often than that these um tanky revolutionaries wouldn't do a damn thing right they don't believe it at all but they believe that they believe mm-hmm. you know and i think that's but hopkins like people would come to him and say oh yeah i was um i was kidnapped taken out of the city beaten told never to um, uh, talk about this again. And uh, I can tell you where I was when they abducted me. I can tell you. And this is like a men in black kind of story. And Mm -hmm. then I can tell you where I can kind of tell you about where they took me. And Bud Hopkins would write it all down. But what wouldn't he do? He wouldn't call the police. He wouldn't report this as a crime. He wouldn't take it as seriously as something that happened in the real world. He would never try to verify it. He would never try to verify it. So, but... That wasn't because he was he was fooling himself on some level, I think. Like an artist fools himself in order to create an imaginary world. It's an aesthetic. Yeah. It's like an aesthetic, imaginative, creative experience, dreamlike, imaginary, ideological even, but not real. And not something that people on some basic level take seriously. Mm-hmm. Like a Hodorowsky film. Yeah. Or Jodor- How do you pronounce it? Jodorowsky? Jodorowsky? I can't remember. I, I, I've heard it Jodorowsky, but I yeah. don't know for sure. That, um, that does seem to be a manifestation of ideology that is pretty common. I mean, I remember how much Republicans love screaming about the deficit, and yet... Where does it exist? Now that we seem to be in a situation where 
the deficit looks like it's going to be going up. Suddenly, it's not that big a deal anymore. No, the, the, no, no as long as it supports our military budget. Yeah. No, the the, the the whole point of the deficit was you freak about the you make the deficit an issue be, um, because um, taxation the, is death. Well, right. Well, you you make you make the deficit issue, and so that a lot of uh, a lot of very serious people like start freaking out about it too, because you know uh, they're all you know to borrow the phrase from uh, Gore Vidal, they're all like you know courtiers at Versailles and the Potomac, uh, you know start freaking out about the stuff, and then they the whole point is to in the you know from like Reagan on is you you know you uh, you jack up expenditures and then start cutting. You know, cutting revenue, mm-hmm. and then so like whoever comes in after you, you know, I usually the Democrats has to like, see, you know, it's like you um, you make them freak about it too. So they well, they, they cut they cut social services, uh, but they will never cut the military expenditures. The whole point is that you cannot ask people to have like give you money, but you can always ask them to here's more money in some sense and form, even if it's trickle down economics. But on the other hand, you have more complicated things like, uh, what was the name of the UFO cult uh, where they actually... Heaven's Gate. Yeah, where they actually Heaven's were Gate. willing to top themselves in order to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that... Yeah, and there, you always have this uncertainty. You always have this uncertainty <laughs> when you're talking to people about whether you're, you're never really sure if they believe what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And I think that complicates matters a lot. And I think... You know, I, I just finished listening to a podcast about Jonestown. And Which I, one? Uh, last podcast on the left. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked that there were as many people who were as on board with some of that stuff that, that you know. And when you listen to the real audio recordings of that, it yeah. terrifies yeah, you a on a great, fundamental level. There was like a documentary based on like testimony from people who were there who yeah. survived and then also like recordings at jonestown it was amazing hearing was, them argue against killing the children mm-hmm. when they finally realized what was happening that oh is the most soul-crushing thing i've ever heard in my entire life I w- weren't they watching um charlie and the chocolate factory while they while they waited to uh, eat the kool-aid or drink the kool-aid i'm sorry or eat the jello. It was actually flavor aid. I'm sorry, I have to correct you here. Kool Aid did not have a product part in that. It was all flavor aid. Actually, I have to correct you on that. Uh, both products were available, although it looks like Kool Aid was not used for the cyanide. Yeah. Oh, okay. All I remember is uh, I whereas I come in this as an ex as an ex college radio type. Uh, I just remember the Concrete Blonde song called Joe's Tongue, where they they, uh, they start these uh, they start the song by sampling audio. Any chance you would make a mistake to try to come in and take any one of us? We will not let you. You will die. You will have to take anybody over all of our dead bodies. Love is the only weapon. Martin Luther King died with love. Kennedy died talking about something you couldn't even understand, some kind of generalized love, and he never even backed it up. He shot down. Bruce, love is the only weapon with which I got to fight. I got a hell of a lot of weapons to fight. I got my claws, I got compasses, I got guns, I got dynamite, I got a hell of a lot to fight. I'll fight, I'll fight, I'll... I will fight. Picking up on a uh, on a thing you mentioned, fuck it. Let's let's get into uh, Posadas. Posadas. Yeah, let's get into Posadas. Posadas. Dolphin space communism. Yeah. Posadism is an ideology or movement born out of the Fourth International 
and headed by a certain J. Posadas, who, per Wikipedia, tried to create a synthesis of Trotskyism and ufology. Posadas's most prominent thesis from this perspective was flying saucers, the process of matter and energy. Posadas believes that extraterrestrials visiting Earth in flying saucers must come from a socially and scientifically advanced civilization to master interplanetary travel and that the working class should welcome the alien invaders as their liberators. Is that what I can get on the line. Sure. Yeah. Hell yeah. This that is, would be this, fucking awesome. This is very important to me because I am incredibly sincere about my belief that UFOs are a legitimate phenomenon. I'm agnostic about ETH, but... No, I actually, uh, being introduced to this theory and understanding the idea that, like, the one unifying factor that could possibly bring revolution would be the fact that there are outside forces watching us and saying, you've done fucked up. Well, I just, but, but, and also, like, we all care about each other. And we can yeah. have he team. doesn't have the little green dot by his name on Facebook, so <laughs> oh, no. it's possible well, that well, yeah, we're I mean, not going to get him. I would say, well, yeah, hit, him, hit him up anyway, you know, because bring him on and uh, if nothing else, we, um, we'll talk to him about video production on YouTube with a VHS camera. This is your comrade communicator coming to you live and on tape from my mother's basement. Yeah, well, well, some, well let's see if we can get him. If we don't get him this time, I'll either have him on my podcast or you guys can invite him on to yours some other day. But here's what I think about the Posadas. Well, look, first of all, the, understand, the thing to understand about Posadist group, and I'm not sure if it's more than him, is that it's a critique of the left. It's not a, a legitimate uh, political movement or right. even a sect. Yeah, it's well, a critique. I, I talked about this with you uh, the last time you were here, and you said that it was they were doing a bit. Is that? Yeah, <laughs> they certainly were in left forum. Yeah, like this is. Yeah, I mean, if you this is enormously upsetting podcast, to me. If you listen to the whole interview I did with him, I do two interviews with him. One's about 15 minutes long, where he's in his character of, uh, um, what is it, Comrade Communicator? Comrade, yeah, and, which and he adopts he, on YouTube. He's, he's um, describing the sect that he believe, that he belongs to and that he believes in, which is a Posadist sect. And he gives me a whole spiel about the Posadist uh, ideology and their, their perspective. Um on the other hand, uh, after that, he comes on as himself, and he describes what the project is really about. And the project is really about how the left, the revolutionary left, is a lot like Bud Hopkins, that we're kind of waiting for something to happen that we don't quite believe in. Uh, we're looking for something outside of ourselves to come into our rescue, and that m when we do act, we don't act in any kind of consistent and in a uh, rational way uh, that in fact if you look at Posadism it is at least ideologically consistent and has a, an A and a B and a C you know it, it, it can tell a story about how we get to revolution where most of the time on the left you have you know that whole uh, gnome collecting underwear uh, story <laughs> where it's like collect underwear question mark profit I don't get it you know, it's like, do activism, question mark, revolution is sort of the left's approach. And with Posadism, it's, you know, 
get the information about the UFOs and make sure that disclosure happens. Welcome our communist comrades from the stars. Invite them and help them create communist utopia on Earth. Every piece of it is there. You don't have a big question mark in the middle. Unfortunately, it's all, you know, it hinges on a, an absurdity. Well, they're, they're doing irony. Well, you're yeah. saying this is right. the first time no, we, I mean, in a long time. Uh, we're we've all had, irony bros here, so. Well, yeah, the or first bras. Time. What do you call me? I don't know. Bro, you know you. <laughs> but it's not irony just for irony's sake. No. It's right. saying, look, we have to think about, we need to rethink our project. We need to uh, have a, uh, a revolutionary politics that is better than a UFO cult. Right. And it's also, God, it was like, it's the first time in almost two years that we've had a South Park reference on this show. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think part of it, and I think, God, what was it? It was, I can't remember if it was the, it was published in either in Jacobin or the Guardian, but talking about, like, how, it was, some, it was, it was someone connecting, connecting, uh, the, like, the, 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 the hundred year anniversary, the centenary, I think it's called, of the Russian Revolution with Star Trek. And it mentioned halfway through, like, they actually do mention Posadism, because the key moment of Star Trek was, as rendered in the film First Contact, was the first contact where after a, you know, a planetary devastational, you know, World War Three. You know, it's also after the the eugenics war. The eugenics wars. Yeah. Yes. Um, where at some point, you know, alien species come down, and in the form of a of a Vulcan scout uh, scout ship, after tracing a warp signal, you know, created by the you know inventor Zephram Cochran. Zephram Cochran. Yes. I, Thank you. I saw this. I, I saw so first. Con- I Science saw, Daddy. Yep. I saw first contact at the My theater favorite. when I was a when I was a junior in university. What can I say? Uh, I, this the, stuff goes the guy deep. From Babe. Yeah, uh, um, James Cromwell. James Cromwell. Yeah, I uh, love him. Who uh, he 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 deposed Charles the First, um, but um, but yeah, no, the, you know, like I said, the, the, but the the plot of like for uh, the 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 Star Wars mythology is that yeah, you know, nuclear war comes down, aliens show up and like they help elevate us out of you know. Out of our current misery into this, eventually, by the time next generation comes around, into this, like, you know, post-scarcity, you know, uh, post-scarcity economy, post-scarcity society. I just want to remind you of the Enterprise episode where it was the Dark Mirror episode where they show that scene, but they show the alien, like, Vulcans coming down and all of these Americans in the middle of the woods shooting them. Right to death. <laughs> well, that was well. That was which was yeah. That was Sorry, a me, so yeah, mean. Me, well, no, it's it's that's me. Yeah, mirror universe stuff, which connects up to Star Trek Discovery and uh, all sorts yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I've got a phone number for. He says he can join our call if we can call him. Yay! Punch him in. This is a uh, comrade communicator of the Intergalactic Workers League speaking to you. Nice to meet you, comrade communicator. You're very much welcome here. Yes, see, yeah, welcome, uh, welcome, comrade. Uh, my name's Jeremy. You are <laughs> have been dragged into our uh, our both live and uh, skyped in uh, uh, Pack Northwest uh, pod recording for a uh, for a uh, Wednesday evening. Thank you for uh, being amenable to uh, talking to us. Oh yes, uh, thank you very much. I'm 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 getting very faint audio right now, though. Want to turn up your. Should we turn up our input on Let me see if I can. 
Oh, it's probably it? uh, probably them. Oh, wait a minute. They're a little soft. Oh, my Lord. Tools? I thought I had it up all the way. Now now, now I hear you. Now I hear you fine. Okay. Oh, you great, can, great. can you hear us fine? Okay, good. I've done a lot of Skype. Um... Let's see. Uh, well, we, one of the things that we did want that, uh, anyway, hi, how you doing? I'm Jeremy. I'm the host. This is, uh, you are dialed into a, uh, a, a Portland, how the hell do we describe this thing? A Portland Basement. based, yeah, a Portland, uh, a Portland, uh, uh, podcast of, uh, talking to people about their cultural obsessions and also giving some recommendations of our own type of podcast. But in the last year and a half, it's been far more, um, like trying to mix both uh, talking about pop culture, but also a hell of a lot of uh, much more uh, lefty politics. Um, one of the so tonight we've been talking uh, earlier this evening. We were discussing um, we were talking about UFOs in the uh, from the, you know the uh, the mid twentieth century onward in uh, American history, and I, and we finally got to the point where we wanted to talk about. Let's just say, and we we figured you would, yes, we, yeah, we 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 figured you would be the uh, the the best expert to bring on to discuss. Let's just say the basic, um, let's just say the basic precepts of uh, what American Posadism and how, like how you know how do you connect both uh, UFOs and what communism, communism. Mark, yeah, you know Marxism, communism, uh, socialism, whatever you want to call it. Trotskyism. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Yes. At one point. Yes. How would yeah? How would alien trots look like? And like how would and what what would a would a, what would an would a, a visitor trot newspaper look like when they uh, you know approach you on the street to uh, give them fifty cents? Um, well, well, to begin with, to begin with, I, I there is uh, an assumption here that uh, the uh, a focus on uh, extraterrestrial. Uh, Contact and uh, revolution sparked by extraterrestrial contact is is somehow outside of the general tradition of orthodox uh, communism or of orthodox Marxism. This is not the case. This falls very much into the tradition of uh, catastrophist uh, communism or catastrophist Marxism, which which uh, is a uh, which which is most Marxists. It's certainly every uh, revolutionary Marxist. We all expect uh, some kind of. Uh, outside intervention, some kind of uh, catastrophe. A revolution is fundamentally a catastrophe, uh, or is at least uh, sparked by a social catastrophe, according to uh, to most historical theorists. Um, mm. And we expect that to uh, create the uh, preconditions necessary uh, for building a new society, for overthrowing capitalism. Now, we have accelerationists. That's a very uh, popular uh, trend on the left right now. Right, that was... And yeah. that's, that's certainly a... Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that, that's a kind of catastrophist communism that requires absolutely no worker intervention. Are you saying we uh, live in the zone? Now, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Natasha, please, re- please re- re- repeat your question. Oh, I was going to say, are you saying you live in the zone now, and that there may have been an extraterrestrial visit, and we're just not aware oh, of it? I, I, I think it's, 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 almost certain, it's almost certain that uh, there's been some contact. I mean, there's there's uh, been uh, recent uh, government disclosures, though very limited one. We suspect we might have a Posadist uh, Edward Snowden uh, mm-hmm. in uh, within uh, the deep state. We, God, uh, we, we can only we're, uh, we're currently trying to reach out our feelers, but uh, but 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 we, we haven't uh, heard back yet. They're being they're being very cautious. But uh, I, I the, the, you were the, saying the, something very important about accelerationism, though that yes. that, that Posadism and accelerationism have something in common, in so much as they don't require. Workers or or really any everyday people to be involved, yeah, uh, a mass in order to bring on a revolution. 
Oh yes, though so, so this is this is a vulgar interpretation of Posadism. Now, uh, we, <laughs> damn we are, those mechanical we're, we're uh, Posadists. We're, we're, we're fundamentally Trotskyists. So, so we 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 do uh, we do uh, believe in uh, incorporating uh, disclosure uh, in uh, mm-hmm. in the uh, in the uh, minimal program. Um, we 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 believe in using worker power as much as it can be used to uh to to uh to get to the point where we have proletarian contact we've had contact we've certainly had some kind of state contact both uh uh the soviet union the chief of the uh the deformed uh, worker states the deformed worker uh having been joseph stalin at one time um In, okay interesting and, subject. Uh, yeah could you, and could, the United States, the United States, they've both had some kind of contact. They've both at least had uh, programs that we have information about. Uh, the Soviet, with their famous extra sense program, uh, Americans tried to uh, try to imitate that poorly with uh, with with our uh, own ESP programs. But but there, there there's been contact, but there hasn't been proletarian contact. Well, uh, we feel well, that the space comrades have either been uh, deceived. Uh, Certainly, in certain situations, captured their their technology, studied, uh, but we have not had proletarian contact, which we believe is necessary. It's a necessary, pre- pardon me, is a necessary precondition uh, for scaring the normies. The world revolution. Sorry. <laughs> I think- oh yes, my apology. <laughs> no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It was my fault. But I was just going to say you you have to scare the normies. Well, don't we need to make a distinction between the governments? projects that were involved with things like uh, extrasensory perception or the famous uh, work that John B. Alexander did uh, that got turned into the uh, Men Who Stare at Goats project and actual uh, UFO slash extraterrestrial research? I mean, you're, you're um, sort of conflating we, we the two there. We believe that these are, these are in fact connected, and, and why why shouldn't they be? They're, they're both uh, state programs that delve into the very things that, uh, that the state... Uh, and uh, and 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 generally speaking, the uh, surrounding scientific apparatus, uh, uh, the technocratic apparatus that uh, that that tells us what is what is real and what is not, uh, what is legitimate knowledge and what is not legitimate knowledge, that they they all the, these are programs that study the things and use the very things that they're trying to tell us uh, are not real. Uh, we we in fact believe that uh, not the, the state, uh, the bourgeois state, doesn't simply conduct UFO research, doesn't simply conduct extrasensory research, but in fact, when no one is looking, state economists uh, make use of uh, dialectical materialism. Uh, these, th- these, are all, these are all things that they use. Uh, I mean, I think that's a fair point. You know, How we, long? You and I spoke at the Left Forum last year, and at the time you were very convinced that the reason Hillary Clinton lost the election was because of her connection to John Podesta, and Podesta... <laughs> was um, uh, committed to full disclosure. And, that and he, he got her to promise it. He got, he got her to it, promise it on got, air. Right, he got her to promise full disclosure. On mic, And yeah. then uh, because of that, the powers that be, whether they're within the NSA or the CIA or in Russia, the SSB, yes. The SS, yes, all of these agencies came together to make sure that she did not get elected and that Trump was made president. However, in recent months... Disclosure has happened despite this, uh, on a certain level. Uh, There have been reports in the New York Times of government programs investigating um, UFOs, uh, and 
there has been, I think, a substantial change in the climate around UFO research and, and contact. What, what do you think has gone on politically to make this possible, and how seriously do you take the kind of dis- disclosure that's already occurred that, that we've seen in the New York Times in the last couple of months? Uh, in fact, we believe that uh, events after the election uh, confirm our pre-election analysis uh, and post-election analysis of, of the forces that lined up uh, behind the anti-disclosure uh, agenda. Um, this, this, uh, and and what what this this is, and this we believe is basically blowback. It's this is a backfiring of if if you can imagine uh, there are. Uh, Patriotic Americans, you know, this is not our ideology, but we understand the ideology of, of the uh, of, of of the uh, government bureaucrat and the military man, uh, who who certainly see the uh, the the cooperation with Russian agencies and American agencies all to subvert the uh, bourgeois electoral process. They 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 see this as an attack, and and they have now connected this directly to. Uh, UFO disclosure, and they've struck a blow for it. Uh, these are our Posada Snowdens, and and we must support them, and uh, we must encourage them to release more information, and hope that they that that the big they have not gotten to our comrades uh, within the system yet. Real, uh, if if I may interrupt, um, uh, Doug and comrade. How do you separate the, um, you, yeah, you mentioned, uh, you, uh, jumping off of a thing you mentioned, how do you separate, I think, well, uh, sorry, I, I missed your exact wording, but it was, how do you separate the, um, was it the, the bourgeois, was it bourgeois voting or bourgeois campaigning from the government systems itself? If uh, Well, I mean, um, the... In terms of, like, I don't know, contrasting you, ideology or contrasting well, ca- identities? Um. What 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 do you mean exactly? I, I I'm not sure I get it. Um. Well, no. You mentioned the um. The, what was it? The, the uh, as if the the bourgeois uh campaigning was somehow right, separate the from system, the yeah electoral the electoral system. system yes the, the bourgeois electoral system was somehow separate from the government systems. Oh no! I I I, I well I mean to 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 a certain degree, uh, when the right talks about deep state. Uh, and if, if we, if we take that to mean the, uh, simply the permanent, uh, unelected bureaucracy that is, uh, necessary to run every, every, uh, modern state and that, uh, accrues its own, uh, institutional interests, then that's the deep state. And to a certain extent, uh, it exists, uh, both with and sort of independently from and supporting and also sometimes against whatever administration happens to be in power um, and you know I think I think there, there's a certain point to it if you if you're if you're talking about uh, how uh, bureaucratic continuity uh, mm-hmm. subverts democracy uh, then uh, then then you know that's that's that is a kind of deep state we're not we're not conspiracists uh, we're we're uh, we, we, we're on the up and up okay uh, may, may, uh, Jacob did you have a question well I was going to ask uh, I, I am sympathetic to the arguments with regards to the deep state, but doesn't that go against your previous arguments with regards to uh, Podesta and Hillary? I mean, why do we even think that the president necessarily is aware of the truth about UFOs, considering the fact that a lot of this has been shunted off into deep state special access projects? Oh, the, the president almost certainly is not aware of it. However, uh, then why does it they, matter whether they, or not they, Hillary gets elected? Mm-hmm. 
Why would it matter oh, well, if Hillary doesn't get access to the information? Is, it, is, it is because the president is not aware of it. However, uh, I think that if the president demanded the information and if uh, the president issued a public executive order uh, for, for full disclosure uh, of, of, of certain projects, uh, it would they would you know they it, it would it would be difficult to uh, for them to deny it uh, this, I, is, this you know they, they would they would they would have to at the very least uh, claim that these are very sensitive top secret p- projects and thus in some way tip their hand um, what's the, or, what's the or stop the, them from just erasing the tapes you know yeah I mean they destroyed the records for MK Ultra back in the know, day they put have, something no. forward that was um, some sort of like a pseudo story about weather balloons um why would they why would an executive order uh actually have the power to unearth deep state secrets well special access programs by definition actually fall outside of the traditional national security framework so i think that seems hard for me to believe and i mean we have had uh, i believe bill clinton said that he uh pushed like hell to try to get to the bottom of this and you know basically was told uh, uh, one or two things but never got the full story i know nixon looked into it uh and there's some theories about kennedy uh what about jimmy carter i was to say yeah the the, yeah, the bit of history i wanted to bring up was jimmy fucking carter well yeah yeah it was president carter he i guess saw, he got attacked by a rabbit <laughs> yes, yes, he did, and his brother. That is another his, Jimmy Carter story. Yeah, his, yeah, he, he got it. You know, and was and thanks to the help of uh, thanks to the help of Dan Aykroyd, got his uh, his brother oh. got his own line of beer. Yeah. Um, but you know, but uh, but definitely. Can I just say yeah. that the Wait, only is, is the Jimmy Carter rabbit story? Is, uh, is that, is that where they got the uh, the, the the little gopher and Caddyshack? I don't know. No, Dan Aykroyd connection. No, well, that's that's a, no. I think that's that that is the um, the Bill Murray connection. Well, well, the well, yeah, that and the fact that it was about the same time that um, the the Gopher and Caddyshack was uh, partially designed by John Dykstra because the fact that um, you, okay, uh, remember Blues Brothers the film. <laughs> Or the fact who doesn't? Oh, yeah, we are wildly off topic. <laughs> no, no, this, this no. Trust this me, this is the this, point this, of this our podcast. Next. I'm sorry. Okay, you got to remember. Uh, this is, remember 1979, 1980. Um, John Lannis's friends, the director of the blue. Uh, okay, it's at all one point connected. Well, no, it's, all it's, connected together. No, no. UFOs. Well, you got to remember who was, all in on it. Do you know who was gonna? Do you know who was very close? It's an anti-fa film. Do you know? Literally, kind of true. That don't know. It's literally true. Who? Okay. Who was very very close to marrying Dan Aykroyd and was hanging out with the SNL crowd way back when? Are you talking about Carrie Fisher? Yes. Um, okay. Because she was actually not with Dan Aykroyd. She was with. Uh, <clears throat> Well, she was with Paul Simon, but she was also hanging out with... Uh, no, she was deep in with... Um, God damn it. Tell me the another name of the Blues Brothers. I'm drunk. What, Belushi? Was she with the Belushi? Belushi. She was with Belushi. She was really? doing coke with Belushi, yeah. Oh, she, okay. She I'm, was um, fucking Belushi, and wow, that, okay, that's that, that how she ended up in the movie. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm wearing a Carrie Fisher ring right now. Wow, Belushi just got a lot cooler. Well, no, <laughs> sorry, but, no, but it, like, she's... No, no, wait. Carrie Fisher just... They both well, got cooler. Yeah, well, exactly. Let's bring this together because... Okay, so... Um, 
So Belushi and Aykroyd and also uh, Paul Simon yeah. were connected to Carrie Fisher, who yep. was connected to not Star only... Star Wars, well, which Frank is connected Oz. to aliens, which is connected to the U.S. government program. We're not going to go down. Not to mention, not to mention, if you say that Star Wars is just aliens that haven't been to Earth, you're forgetting that E.T. and Star Wars are officially set in the same universe. E.T. aliens were... Oh, are we going to start telling the Star Wars canon right now? Because you do not want to go down that road. But that is a good one. That is no, a good we, one. We, no, we we, uh, we we talked about this earlier off mic. Okay, hang on. We, real quick. Uh, the, the, I, I bring this up for one thing about Caddyshack. The groundhog in Caddyshack was partially designed by John Dykstra. I believe it was John Dykstra's like animal effects crew. Like uh, at some point they because they were they were shooting they were shooting Caddyshack in like seventy nine eighty um, about the same time that they were both you know both working on uh, both Blues Brothers and on Empire and that is how the um, in fact if you I think somewhere like even like on like on like the like the the memorial memorial um, commemorative DVD Blu Ray like they have like the original um, trailer for Caddyshack which has the original Groundhog which looks horrible. You know, because they all of, look horrible. It's okay. Well, no, no, but no. But the thing is, they look Wait, horrible. There's one that doesn't look horrible. Well, yeah, no, exactly. Well, that's the whole. Well, point. that's the thing is, no. But the thing is, like the, the later version was like I think John Dykstra and his crew. If I'm and I'm remember, God, I'm, I'm going back through you know just decades of beer feud fog through like you know early early or early aughts DVD watching. Like it was like uh, John Dykstra and like the uh, like Lucasfilm like puppet crew. Helped design uh, a new and improved, uh, you know, fully, uh, you know, almost <laughs> Greg the Bunny like animatronic. Are you well, trying to say animatronic? Yeah, and, uh, you know, animatronic Greg <laughs> the Bunny like groundhog to be on film, and that that is how the, the groundhog became a much more prominent character in Caddyshack. We auditioned live animals for the Gopher. Uh, they brought in every kind of rodent that was trainable or usable. And there was, they, were, they kept trying to sell us on the idea of a ferret. Why not have an animated creature that has a life in the film? Especially if it was hip and funny. So the job went to John Dykstra. Somebody called me one day and said, can you build a gopher? Special effects whiz kid John Dykstra had recently won two Oscars for his work on Star Wars. It had to have the ability to make anthropomorphic kinds of expressions, smiling, frowning, confusion, surprise. He needed to be able to spit water, cough, smoke, and he had to be physically adept, be able to dance and to move around. I determined early that the ears gave the most expression, right? That you could, curiosity, you know, anger, you know, what's going on over here, there, and that by changing the profile of the head, I could get a lot of emotion. And then I also wired it so that he could snarl to the left or snarl to the right or you know, bare his teeth entirely. It's a gopher world, and we're just living in it. They created all this this wonderful world of the gopher, and at first I thought, oh man, you know, this is they're they're polluting my 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 work of art here somehow with this animation, but it turned out to be funny. Which was uh, which you know the sequel of which starred Dan Aykroyd in the the earlier version had a bunch of like his his co stars on SNL. You know, the world is a uh, the world is a wide ass place. Uh, Sometimes we are able to tie it all together. Can I just jump in here and say that there's a? I feel like we're wasting Comrade Communicator though, because oh, okay. I don't know, Comrade. Do you do you have anything to say about the Hollywood connection uh, to UFO disclosure? 
Oh, oh, well, um, what Hollywood, and by the way, first I would like to answer uh, a question that was posed before we, uh, okay, we digress, and that's, Even better. and that's uh, how much, how much uh, a uh, presidential demand, uh, how much disclosure uh, that will uh, even bring. Uh, we're actually uh, not sure about that, but uh, we uh, have noticed that whenever there, there seems to be a push for it, uh, and and a, a, a serious push, uh, and in this case, uh, you know, this we would we would likely have a uh, major American ufologist as the White House chief of staff, uh, Podesta. That 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 would that that is where she would put him, uh, and and that would uh, that would uh, you know this that that at the very least riles things up, and when they get riled up. They make mistakes and they piss some of their own underlings off, and their underlings leak. But and Podesta exactly served at a senior happened. level underneath Bill Clinton and saying, Obama. We're not saying that uh, that the president demanding it will necessarily give us full disclosure, but at the very least, it rankles them, it it rattles them, and it it creates some some useful chaos. So where did the leak come from this time? I mean, it wasn't from Trump. It wasn't a demand. No, from it the certainly wasn't. It certainly wasn't. It certainly wasn't. The president doesn't know anything, and and we don't just mean about the uh, UFO disclosure. This is this is a, a a broad a broad general statement. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is categorical uh, statement. Yeah. He is he is the man who knew too little. Um, it's it is, it is <laughs> another uh, another Bill Murray it's, film. It's oh yeah, one of my favorites actually. A, it all comes together, but but the Hollywood connection. Uh, the, wait, or, or did I? I'm I'm a little stoned. I'm sorry. This no, it's all right. Is, is, yeah, no, I'm usually stoned every day of my life. So <laughs> no, we've we've had a few. Oh, you had a few. For God's sake, you're remembering correctly that uh, that the the question is, you know, who are the players here? Does Hollywood, or do some people in Hollywood know the true story? Uh, how deeply should we go down the rabbit hole of looking at major films or the history of cinema to try to figure out what's known and what's not known? Uh, who knows what, and that kind of thing. Can I just jump in here and say I, we, we we again we're not conspiracy theorists. No, uh, we we uh, we look at this we look at this in a in a in a in a rational uh, and uh, and and analytical way. Uh, we, what you could find by looking at films uh, in terms of how they discuss uh, aliens and UFOs and 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 communism isn't isn't so much. Uh, uh, any hidden information that Hollywood knows. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a bourgeois myth that uh, yeah. uh, actors know No, they're know only liberals anyway. Um, um, <laughs> in, in fact, but, but it, does, it does show us uh, what... Uh, we, we could see what kind of state pressure there probably was. Notice in, in the period uh, when uh, anti-communist propaganda was, was fairly strong, so was uh, propaganda against uh, the space comrades. Uh, this uh, shows that the, uh, the, the when, when the state applied pressure for the one, either Hollywood knew to push both buttons at once, or uh, the state asked for both of these uh, both of these uh, forces to be demonized. And we think uh, it's because the uh, people uh, pulling the strings behind uh, behind the uh, the uh, state policy on, uh, on 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 American media. Uh, they they know that there is a connection between communism and uh, UFOs. Well, and we know it's a well-established fact at this point that the government actually did intervene in science fiction publications relating to the nuclear bomb. This is very well established at this point. So they oh, yes. were oh, actively yes. oh, yes. suppressing uh, information. Heinlein, uh, Robert Heinlein wrote something that looked uh, very much like uh, this uh, new super weapon that they were building, and they wanted to see if. Uh, 
if if uh, he'd uh, been talking to someone with loose lips. It turns out he was just a damned good science fiction writer. Is that the incident you're talking about? Uh, there's actually more than one. And I would also point out that Truman oh. himself didn't find out until the very last minute about the bomb. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It had been in production for years, and he had no idea. God, how, I'm kind of. I, I will say at one point, just to break up, how weird, how weird would 1944, 1945 have been had uh, FDR had chosen Henry Wallace as his uh, VP instead of uh, Truman? Anyway, oh, that's that really deep. Been, you know, Henry Wallace was was. You know, if he was a Marxist, he would have been a Freudian Marxist. He was. He certainly. He certainly uh, uh, had some 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 interesting uh, esoteric. Uh, Leanings. I'm all uh, for the Freudian Marxism right here. Sorry. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Most certainly. Most certainly. Well, I would just say that the uh, aliens represent a psychological precept of this external father-like figure coming in and destroying everything that we've built in order to make our lives better. And I would hope but, it would be mothers, but, but though. If it was the opposite, it would be mothers. the opposite of the father. Oh, sorry. No, I just you know, yeah, that's yeah, definitely the opposite. I was going to say at some point, um, and we can even connect with our earlier conversation that we had this earlier this evening. If we <laughs> the the Freudian connection, if we wanted to mention Lacan <laughs> yeah. and from Laco- from Freud to Lacan, where do you go? You wind up with a certain uh, snuffy. Mm-hmm. Um, can I just add something real quick? I actually uh, please w- do. wasn't going to mention this, but I actually just found out that this has been confirmed by Spielberg himself. Mm-hmm. They did a special screen of E.T. at the White House. What, Carter era, yeah. No, 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 no. This was Reagan. This was Reagan era? Reagan. Yeah. Yeah, Reagan. yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it oh, Nancy, wow. too? Okay. And Reagan, Probably the special edition, right? Well, yep, here's the part, likely. which is that afterwards, Reagan, and Spielberg himself is confirming this, said that Reagan came up to him and announced, uh, there are a number of people in this room who know that everything on that screen is absolutely true. I, I heard that it. I, I heard that it. it went down differently. I heard that uh, that afterwards, uh, Reagan was so impressed with the film that he was going to uh, call his new uh, missile defense program the the uh, the ET program. And then Spielberg explained that that wasn't the point of of, of the film, and that's why he went to Star Wars. Well, I mean that that's cute. wait 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 I mean, wait wait, 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 wait. We, we can talk about Spielberg, Spielberg going into anything, yeah. but it's not going to be going to Star Wars. I mean, yes, he was circle jerking with George Lucas, but. He was not responsible for that, and he was responsible for War of the Worlds, which came out in two thousand and five. Five, yeah. I just podcasted about. Well, that he actually. worked closely with actual UFO researchers to put together Close Encounters of the Third Time. Exactly, you know, third kind. No, he's been obsessed with the aliens from the beginning, and yeah. so has Lucas. And the, the whole point is like they did a good job of them, mm-hmm. like in terms of tapping into these cultural like I, I will say this um, regardless of anything else that we mentioned tonight what a really genius slash fucking weird way to get Francois Truffaut on the screens of a thousand you know uh, American multiplex screens by like yeah we'll, we'll cast him as the French UFO uh, mm-hmm. you know expert uh, Truffaut is a, uh, wonderful to work with he's, he's really amazing uh, he's amazing because he's so simple. He's, he's as simple as his films. I thought I was going to meet a very, very complicated man who had spoken down to the cinema to make these rather, you know, you know, uh, tender, romantic, light, wonderful films about the, you know, this, the, the, the human persona. And instead, he was exactly like his movies. And that's amazing. Really, that's what set me back so far. Was I kept talking to Francois like he, he was m- more than the man who made Jules and Jim, and he's not. 
He's, he's Jules. He's, he's, a, he's a fantastic guy. He really is. He loves movies more than anybody I've ever met in my life. You can take all this new Hollywood bullshit and get all of us guys sitting in a room together, and he puts us away. He knows more about movies than any of us ever will. Did he try to be influential in any way in terms of how you handled it? No, some? he didn't. He didn't. He, he made suggestions occasionally, and I wanted him to make more, but he would just make them when he was felt comfortable about making them. One day he said, ah, Stephen, and he'd bring me over and he'd show me a bunch of extras when the camera was not on them, what they were doing, picking their noses, scratching their rear ends. He said, ah, well, you, you must capture this. I said, Francois, I can't capture somebody picking their nose while this, you know, this, uh, this renaissance fair is approaching from out of the Northwest. Come on, you know? And uh, because Truffaut has, has this very devilly sense of humor, that he will pick things out in the background and, and fasten on them and just not leave it. He'll... He would binoculars, spend hours watching the extras 100 feet away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he loves that. He loves that. You know, that's based on a real person. Um, oh yeah, no, he's what, a, what was uh, the guy's? What was I the can't guy's remember name? his name, but yeah, it's I know. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Uh, they, he was the uh, uh, John Keel. John what? John Keel. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Have you des maux de tête, des migraines? Having headaches, migraines. Yeah. Irritation des yeux et du sinus. An irritation in your eyes and your sinuses. Yeah. Des mangeaisons, des allergies. You have hives. You have uh, allergies. Des brûlures sur le visage et sur le corps. You're burning uh, on your face and on your body. Yes. Who are you people? Look at this. Yeah, I got one just like in my living room. Who are you people? Je pensais. Oui, Neri, please. One more question. N'avez-vous pas fait récemment une rencontre? Have you recently had a close encounter? Une rencontre plutôt inhabituelle. A close encounter with something very unusual. Who are you people? I just and want to thank you contact. both for introducing what? me to the history and depth of Posadism, but also its new form, and of the fact that I had no idea that I, it was so based on disclosure, like this whole idea of uh, people know. I, I will say, oh, uh, as the <laughs> as the like somewhat host, I think we should bring up at one point. I think we we should spend a second just to discuss. Uh, if anybody can, we, I think we should actually mention the the biographical information and talk about the life of Jose Posadas and the shit that he had to go through before his. I um, believe it was Juan Posadas. Was it Juan? Okay. Yeah, it was Juan. I couldn't remember if it was Juan or Jose, but okay. Uh, 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 comrade, could you please uh, talk about Juan or a, a, well, uh, a brief, Juan, a brief sketch? Oh, yes. uh, he was uh, the uh, son of uh, Italian immigrants. Uh, in Argentina, he was uh, a working-class guy. Uh, he uh, lived in. Uh, he began his life in the early 20th century. He uh, was uh, a, I believe, a shoemaker, and uh, his political involvement uh, began in the labor movement. He he organized the movement of shoemakers and uh, leather workers in his town. Uh, and uh, actually, I believe I believe that was after uh, he was uh, quite uh, a uh, beloved local star soccer player. Uh, but uh, that, that's uh, he was he was a man of many talents, truly uh, a Renaissance man, uh, a, a soccer player. You say and, much uh, like after, David Icke. Oh yes, oh yes. He was he was he was he was a soccer player. Uh, he was the, the, he was an athlete. Uh, and and after this, uh, a uh, you know he he went he went to work, and uh, you know in in, in the uh, in the workshop, and then he became a union organizer, and then he became a uh, candidate a uh, candidate for a local office uh, from. Uh, a uh, a uh, a socialist uh, electoral party. Uh, eventually, uh, he 
joined a more radical party that affiliated with the uh, burgeoning Trotskyist movement at the time. And he rose up through the Trotskyist movement and became one of the premier Trotskyist leaders uh, in the world for a time, the premier Trotskyist leader in South America. In fact, mm. uh, dur during Castro's uh, time, during the uh, early years of Castro's revolution, the Cuban Posa uh, the Cuban uh, Trotskyists were in fact Posadists, and uh, wow. they were purged uh, after they uh, tried storming Guantanamo Bay. Oh dear! Oh wow! Uh, that was not a, that was not the best so, idea. So, so uh, we can count the Castros in uh, among the uh, the forces of of red terrestrialism. Uh, now, um, at some point uh, in the fifties, uh, Jay Posadas adopted a. Uh, this is the uh, uh, something that actually split uh, the international Trotskyist movement, or at the very least, prevented it from coming back together uh, after its uh, first split. Is uh, the uh, the uh, nuclear question. Uh, where uh, Jay Posadas uh, um, put forward uh, a doctrine that nuclear war will be revolutionary war. And uh, this is often misunderstood as uh, championing of nuclear war, where, again, it's uh, Posadas beginning to embrace a catastrophist uh, communism in, mm. in, uh, in, in seeing, uh, seeing uh, new conditions, forming new preconditions for it's revolution, rather than simply looking at pre-nuclear conditions yeah, for revolution. they're not advocating for it, they're just saying that now we've reached this point in humanity, and when you reach that point in humanity, then you're called out by other species. Or, well, that that didn't come until later. The, okay. the, uh, the uh, UFO angle didn't come up until 1968. Okay. And, and just one last word on the nuclear war, uh, Che Guevara explicitly called uh, for nuclear war, he believed that Cuba should uh, bomb the uh, the uh, the uh, New York, in fact, the city where I am right now. And and for some reason, Guevarism uh, and then the Castros and uh, none of that gets pegged with this pro-nuclear war thing because they're solid terrestrialists. Really? This is this is the real this is the the the, the, nu the, the nuclear uh, war championing uh, smear is 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 a terrestrialist smear against Posadas. But but yes, in in '68. Uh, Posadas went further and wrote uh, a now uh, famous uh, essay, his most widely read and most widely known work uh, about, uh, it had a very long title, but Saucers, uh, Socialism, and the Future of Mankind, I guess is a summary of the title. Wow. And That's pretty it, cool. It, it, you should all read it. And it talked about, even though it's, it's the translations that exist are kind of wonky and uh, mm. honestly, it's, it's, it's some weird, weird shit. Uh, it's it the the premise the the the, the main theses are that um, the uh, saucers that have been uh, visiting uh, Earth uh, must be from uh, advanced uh, socialist societies. Uh, this can be uh, you, you, this can be justified either uh, in a uh, teleological uh, way. Uh, mm -hmm. You know this 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 idea of, of of history developing in stages. Certainly, right. this must be a higher stage of history. But there's there's there more dialectical ways of accounting uh, for this, and then to come to this conclusion, uh, any any society uh, uh, that would uh, a, a society like ours uh, will have destroyed itself before they could send out these sorts of craft uh, uh, along such distances. If, if capitalism uh, persists on Earth for more than the next fifty years, we won't be sending out any saucers. Uh, That's very Everything true. that we know. About We'll about, be sending Teslas into space. We must draw from from Earth, and this is the experience that we have with 
capitalism, a system, uh, at the very least, they must have a system that is not capitalist, but well, that no, is a, at a technological base above ours. Oh, sorry. No, I'm just saying, like, resource management-wise, if you think about it, it's very simple. You have what you have, and if you don't share it among the collective, then you end up with one guy shooting himself into space and like the opening, dying. Yeah, like the opening to uh, Heavy Metal, the film. Yeah, we need to. I think we need to continue this uh, this conversation with a comrade again um, in the future because there is, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff here. Uh, however, my my own uh, my own pro wrestling uh, kayfabe breaking upbringing requires me to ask certain questions. And unless anybody has any other questions, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Uh, it's time to uh, transition real quick. Um, Where did you do your undergrad at? <laughs> Oh, Brooklyn College. Brook- what what I what I did of it, I did it at Brooklyn College. Cool. What what uh, what did you go for? You know, I, I didn't stick around long enough to declare a major. Um, I was it was probably going to be history or philosophy. No, not too bad. Not too bad. I myself, I did. Uh, uh, I uh, born and raised in Flint. I escaped to Ann Arbor when I was eighteen uh, to double major in engineering and to. It, had they had minors at Michigan, I would have minored in philosophy. Um, nice. But, and uh, uh, nice to meet you. I'm Nat. And you've convinced me, I think, a little bit more towards the uh, Posadist Caucus. <laughs> I am actually oh, going yes. to. Um, I followed you guys tonight. I. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, dolphins. Every girl likes dolphins. Yeah, I like need to. I, yeah. Being horse girl, you know, like you love horses when you're oh, a teenager. Nice. But you, as adult, you love dolphins. All right. <laughs> no, not. Are you recording this, Jeremy? You are recording this. Okay. You've been a co-host on the show for over a year. You know I do not turn this thing off. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to say thank you for your work, comrade. And I... Oh, thank you. Thank um, you for having me. Yeah. I want to hear more about, oh. more about Trotskyism because I know... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh, I got I got a news I got a newspaper that the the, the goddamn trots at oh, the uh, at the oh, local no, like, airplane. No, I want to hear more salting. Salting on Something earlier, or made a joke about newspapers that I meant to 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 address. Yes. Uh, now, Posadism, or at least Posadism of the twentieth first century that we uh, we adhere to. Uh, we've we've replaced newspapers with memes. Uh, we've updated yes. that. Like, if Lennon, far more if Lennon was alive today, if Lennon was active and alive today, God forbid, he'd, uh, he would use he dolphin would, gifs. He would, uh, yeah, he'd, he'd be, use memes. He'd say he'd say fuck newspapers, guys. Yeah, he'd memes, be a poster. Memes is the way. That's that's what the workers are reading. You don't Shit, poster reading, has a YouTube uh, channel. Uh, would Lennon have a YouTube channel? Yeah, uh, I certainly hope so. Oh yeah, he I would. mean you know pr- probably probably you know you know like he'd be he'd be like. Uh, just uh, have a like a whole like set piece set up where he'd be uh, standing on uh, on that 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 train car or whatever, and he'd have his hat like in the picture, you know. Hey that, everybody, that, that, thanks for tuning into my channel time. again. I'm you know I'm about like 100 miles outside of Petrograd, and uh, you know I just wanted, I'm just checking in with y'all. It's like you know, like, here's my brother, here's my comrades. Yeah, yeah, like subscribe and share with your rest of your comrades, and it's you know yeah Rain I know review us on yeah, Soviet iTunes. Yeah, I know the war is pretty bad, you, but uh. <laughs> Do you think he would turn Here's on the question. Would he, would he feed into the squatting Slav meme? 
Uh, would he? Would he? Would no, he everybody that, does. Uh, would he actually, make that part of his image. Would he wear a tracksuit? I can see. I can, I can see. <laughs> what <are> you, <laughs> yes, we need. We need. A, we need. A, we need a, 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 a rejuvenated, a revitalized Lennon just saying "bro" a lot, like he was in the uh, the Matt Fraction uh, Haw- Hawkeye, Hawkeye series. series yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, bro, how you doing, hey, bro? You know, bro. I'm, let me bro, tell you about. It's a dog. Like, it's we, a dog. We, we need. We need He's to see. Dog. We need to overthrow Kerensky. Bro. I can say um, this because my name is Natasha, so I don't seem like stereotype. I grew up with Russians. Okay, two things. One, um, does anyone have any recommendations? Um, you know, shit to read, listen, watch. Uh, as your normie. Sorry. I'm going to say, as your normie asshole, I'm watching Altered Carbon. And I really enjoy it because I like Richard K. Morgan, and I'm an asshole that way. And yeah, roast me next se- next session. Um, you can find me online at metamachina dot com or at Ashes for Foxes on Twitter and Tumblr. Uh, Jacob, you have anything? Or yeah, I'd recommend a, per- a podcast I like called the Paracast, uh, the gold standard of paranormal radio that actually covers a lot of these topics and has actually had uh, David. M. Jacobs on more than once. I'm not sure if he's wow. a guest in good standing at the moment. There's been some the, the, beef the there. The problem with the parakeet. That ah. is a real problem. I'm not going to lie. They have a they have a permit. I can skip past the ad, so it's not that bad. But the content pretty solid, depending on the week. And I am a really big fan of Chris O'Brien, who's been digging into cattle mutilations, and that dude has just done phenomenal work. I'm really impressed by what he does. Um, uh, and you can follow me on Twitch. Just search for Jacob Mercy. Uh, uh, comrade and or uh, Doug, please go. Okay, well, um, I would suggest that people who have been listening to this podcast go to their local library or to their local bookstore and find a book called After the Saucers Landed, which is all about contact, that I wrote a few years ago and that was nominated for the Philip K. Dick Award. And, um, and that we forgot to bring it's up. It's hated by many, but... Um, uh, loved by a few. I noticed you killed John Mack on the first page. That's pretty hardcore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. He committed suicide. Yeah, geez. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm still only about two thirds of the way through the through it. So, um, uh, I did enjoy the. I did enjoy the 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 point where at one point the story. Uh, um, this story cuts to nineties uh, Por- southeast Portland. <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, uh, comrade, do you have anything? Uh, any, uh, if you're still on the line, uh, anything? Um, any recommendations and or plugs and or ways that folks can can contact you? Oh yes. Well, uh, beginning with plugs, uh, our uh, Facebook page is the, the Intergalactic Workers League. Just search for that, or it's Facebook.com/slash Intergalactic Workers. And uh, our YouTube channel is uh, Basadist Rebel News Two. Um, we uh, haven't updated in a while, but okay. uh, we will soon, God willing, uh, get my tech in order. Uh, but uh, as for uh, cultural recommendations, I will uh, I will uh, recommend a board game. Uh, I recommend that everyone come go out and play a game called Between Two Cities. Uh, I uh, hmm. played this game recently, and uh, I was amazed by the degree to which it melded cooperation and competition. Uh, uh, as 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 uh, game mechanics and as motivators, and it's it's actually a a very uh, interesting way uh, 
it, 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 it might give you a, a new perspective on human social dynamics, I think, if you're into uh, board games at all and uh, haven't played a game with such a mechanic. Uh, and and I, I think that board games very often uh, don't uh, get uh, enough credit because I think, I think they should be, uh, especially the great ones, um, considered in the same category as, uh, as books and films. How do you feel about Monopoly, colon, Cheaters Edition? <laughs> you know, I, I, I've, I haven't, I haven't played it, but I've, I've seen, I've seen, uh, it going around and it actually sounds like, uh, it's incorporating, uh, a, a very interesting social game. Uh, into Monopoly and using something and using basically using something very clever, using something that uh, that, that that we we've all done as kids in Monopoly. I think I think that, that that's I, I kind of you know when I was a kid I loved Monopoly and I kind of came to uh, to loathe it. Uh, right, I discovered uh, other games, but but this actually sounds like it could bring a lot of fun back into Monopoly. Yeah, fair enough. But you know, I I don't know. Like it's I uh, I think it's hard for me to look at Monopoly in its like in in what the its originator game uh, you know was meant to be as that kind of social criticism because it's such a such an icon now. You know, I I, I can't imagine what uh, you know uh, playing Monopoly never having uh, played it before or been familiar with its tropes would have been like. Well, you know, yeah, when I was a kid, it was it was pretty great. But you know that uh, uh, the injustice of capitalism angle kind of escaped me. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I, a, lot, a lot of Russian kids uh, in the early uh, post-Soviet period and late Soviet period would make uh, card, their own bootleg cardboard monopolies uh, with their own rules and mostly the same rules, but uh, different pieces. And they were all like a thousand times more aspirationally capitalistic. <laughs> so to, to a certain extent, that is actually the greatest gauge of how monopoly uh uh, the, the degree to which it was uh, its its originator game was a tool of, of anti-capitalist criticism, how much it's been co-opted, where where it's even resonated in it's especially resonated, in fact, in the uh, post-Soviet sphere. Hmm. It's it's a it's an example actually of both how uh, monopoly in in that context failed uh, to uh, to send this message, and 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 uh, how uh, the uh, so the the you know Soviet. Uh, socialist project kind of uh, uh, turned against itself. Gotcha. Oh, this is ending on a terrible note. I'm sorry. No, that's, that's okay. <laughs> and all, it was, it was, okay, Doug, you went, and I went, and no, I ain't going yet. Uh, everyone, I think, oh, you should go, Jim. Yeah. go. Yeah, uh, last thing, all I'm going to say is thank you, everybody, for listening to God Knows Whatever I'm going to have to carve this into. Um, our theme song is provided by the mysterious breakfaster, Cirillo. Uh, you can, uh, find us on the internet at soundcloud.com slash giving the mic. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash giving the mic. Um, any, uh, you know, comments, questions, blah, 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 uh, you know, like, subscribe, and, uh, like, subscribe and share and contact us at giving the mic at gmail.com. My only recommendation is, an album by one of the greatest bands of all time called Husker Du. Uh, the late drummer slash co-songwriter of that band, uh, named of Grant Hart, who died. He passed on in, uh, in mid late of 2017, wrote an extremely thematically relevant song called Books About UFOs. 
get on your Spotify and search for Husker News, a song called Books About UFOs. Oh, and also a a band, two bands, one band from England called Spaceman 3, the other band called Flying Saucer Attack. And um, other than that, I believe that is, uh, I think that's all we got. I want to thank everybody for uh, <laughs> staying up late on a, what, what, what was it, Wednesday? Wednesday? It's a Wednesday. Wednesday night for whatever this has turned into. It has been far more than I ever expected, far more entertaining than I ever expected. Uh, I need more beer, but, you know, whatever. And... um yeah, and I think uh, does any if if y'all have any final concluding words, uh, please offer them uh, for posterity and go. I'm not going to go first. The UFO, the UFO is real. The government I, is lying to I'm you. Sorry. Google Gary McKinnon. Google Paul Benowitz. The truth is out there. Don't believe what they tell you. What they're going to do is they're going to try to turn it into a joke, and when that doesn't work, they're going to pretend that they already told you. Uh, anybody else? I just wanted to say, oh, sorry. Oh. Yes, long live Posadas, long live Comrade High Commander. <laughs> I'm going to just repeat that, long live Posadas, long live High Commander. Awesome. And, um, yeah, thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you guys for uh, for being up for talking about whatever uh, idiocy we wanted to talk about. This has been, uh, this has been a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, thank you, and good night.
editing services provided by Entertainment Unlimited. Visit us at euavp.com. All right, for the I'm trying to think, I'm trying to come up with a rough format for the show tonight. Okay. Uh, have a, so section one, I talk about UFOs. Yeah, yeah I want to hear. Two, I, I answer questions about UFOs. Section three, I explain a plan for how we can get disclosure. Can we talk about the Phoenix Lights? No. Okay. Yes. Why not? I can talk about the Phoenix Lights. I can talk about the Phoenix Lights. So it sounds like you don't really need us to be here except for Section Two. I just yeah, I just need you guys to ask me questions. That'll be fine. Do you want us to? You want to send us the questions you want us to ask? That actually, I think that's how they do it on Coast to Coast now. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) Ha ha ha! George Norrie burn. I miss. I I don't know if anybody got that. I did not. I do. Uh, I miss Ian Punnett. Who was the first guy on Coast to Coast? Art Bell. Uh, Art Bell, who, uh, Art who Bell. had a, a couple of brief returns. Yeah, I, I oh, used so to work sorry. at a, nice. in the 90s, I used to work at a physician's answering service where you take emergency calls. Mm-hmm. But then one of their clients was Art Bell, uh, and he would we would take orders for his book. So, you know, you get one, I'm pregnant, and I'm, I think I'm in labor, or I'm having a heart attack, and then I want to order Art Bell's The Quickening. <laughs> so it was kind of a weird uh, job. That sounds like an awesome job. That actually sounds like an awesome job. I work yeah. in healthcare, so. Yeah, it was all right, except, you know, you get calls that you weren't. Prepared they for. were you weren't prepared to take, or they never you never got any training on I, how to evaluate calls, and the doctors were all assholes. Oh, they the always worst, are. The worst was... Um, this neurologist who was like a child neurologist, like a pediatric ne- mm-hmm. neurologist, and you get he'd get tons of calls um, because his patients had severe problems. Yeah, and you'd call him up and say, "Well, your patient, you know, Joe is having a seizure, six-year-old Joe," and he would like, "Yeah, why are you bothering me about this? They always have seizures." <laughs> like, you oh, know, that's uh, so mean. <laughs> That's, 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 that's a bit overly callous for yeah. uh, for a pediatrician. Wow. Yeah, he, he had real trouble because later on he he ran into a, a, a ticketing like a, a cop who was giving him a, a parking ticket. He like ran into her in his with his car. He's like said, "You have no idea how much money I'm worth," and ran into her with his car. <laughs> Which to me, it's like that's the this, epitome of his assholishness. That seems yeah, very alpha. Was, yeah, that is like the stupidest thing. You don't say to someone before you hit them with your car. I'm worth a lot of money, you, and then hit them with your car. Do you know who my father is? <laughs> <laughs> Doing donuts on the lawn. Jesus, what oh a my dumb God. guy. I, I'm, I hope he got destroyed by his own hubris. Like well, yeah, I villain. got lots of calls after that, people, patients canceling their appointments. Good. Jesus. Yeah. Sounds like there was another type of quick getting there. Yeah. The, uh, bump. <laughs> Jacob always makes me have to like laugh outside of the mic because otherwise I just no 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 let him know let him know (laughs) yeah no yeah trust you've heard me on this show that you 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 laugh on mic unless it's really loud then you just pull back well I'm sorry but I just spent the last two weeks editing like thirty hours of like editing for thirty hours not obviously not podcasting for thirty hours listen you're not editing no I'm the one who edits. 
Well, no, yeah, this no, is, I don't this have is to. Your, this is your opportunity. To be really like an asshole? Yeah, get in on it. And so you, do you do more than one podcast, or were you, were you saying you were editing this podcast? I, I like host my own podcast, and then I'm lucky enough to be on this one, even though oh. I'm just tolerated. So what's your other podcast called? It's called Meta Machina. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it means meta and then machine in Russian, and it's just about us girls talking about how we like genre fiction and what we don't like about it. So oh. it's very nice oh. for us to do. And we're doing it from a very leftist feminist perspective, which is great, but not that deep, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, uh, that sounds cool. I'll have to check you out. I have to get, the, get you on my podcast subscription list. Oh, gosh. Thank you. But, like... We do a lot of daddy jokes and we talk about. Why? Why is that a butt statement? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's yeah, but the, yeah, but the, really, the, you won't like it, Doug, because we make fun of people just like you. No, it's no, okay. no we don't. That's you know, see, that's 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 a feature, not a bug. Yeah, you, you, you don't don't, yeah, don't don't undersell yourself. We're not. We're trying not to. I mean, actually, like we've been really lucky. We've had a really great following really quickly, and uh, it's mostly because we're a bunch of uh, Star Wars hags. So you know, it works. As a person with a podcast of veritably dozens, build an audience. No, uh, however you can. Um, oh, oh, one thing, one question I did have is, um, how do you shoot the the Posadas Rebel news? Is that are you is is that a, is are you shooting on like a like a a, a handheld like VHS cam or? Is that, is, are you fil- are you filtering so through? Uh, on my, I shoot them. I shoot them on my shitty thirty-eight dollar Amazon tablet. Uh, oh, that's wait, that's I, uh, better. Wait, do you process I, it? Like, I'm the, the, going to have a working laptop again one day, and and uh, I have a webcam for it, so it, it it'll 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 start looking slightly better at that's some point. That's true socialism. And maybe by the I'll way. be able to do them again. Wait, is that a, wait, <laughs> I, I so wait, love do, those. By the way, you need to keep going with those. I'll send I you. I do. Uh, thank you. I'd also need a better camera if you want it. it. You should put up a Patreon. I donate to get more Posadas Rebel news. I, was say, is, we, we I can, need. I need. I need to do that. That's that's how I need to maybe maybe get raise a little money for. Uh for having a laptop again. It was to say, uh, yeah. Maybe the, get well, a, or maybe get a job. Well, there's that, but there, there's, anyway. there's, no, 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 no fuck no, that, no, yeah. No. There's, there, wait, there's, there's no, like, free geek or anything in, in, like, Brooklyn or anything where you can... Oh, Jeremy, well, you, come on, that takes time free. and effort. You have to go and buy them. I don't need, I don't well, need no, them. You can volunteer, you can volunteer, no, you, you don't have to, yeah, like, buy... Yeah, wait, what is that? What's a free geek? Free geek? I, I don't know what that is. Okay, in Portland, there's a place called Free Geek, and you can go and... If you donate enough time repairing um, and assembling computers, you get one at the end of the process. Right. And, uh, that sounds fucking awesome. And and uh, yeah, the, the the problem is is uh, I've, I don't, know uh, I don't have those skills. My skills, my technical skills. They are train very you. They train. Oh my God! Portland sounds like a worker's paradise. What Come the here. Fuck am I doing <laughs> yeah. Here? Wait, what the fuck are you doing in Brooklyn? Here? Seriously. I'm going to need to be. check railway, like like friggin' freight rail maps now. No, 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 no. no, no. To, you just 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 yeah. just freight rail it all the way. Um, uh, but I will say no. At some point, we, because uh, Jacob was watching some of the uh, the videos every night. This is your comrade communicator coming to you live and on tape from my mother's basement. We 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 fully thought. I mean, like, we fully uh, thought that they were shot on uh like they were like what like four by three like three twenty three point three twenty uh three twenty p uh like this this has to be VHS and like if we if they were, if they were I shot on it. like if they were shot on a like an Amazon Fire or something like like wow I don't know. 
Yes, 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 yes. That, that is that's that's that that is that is what I. Uh, you know, I, I guess I guess they're they're they're, uh, they're not they're they're great for what they are. They're it's just a thirty eight dollar tablet. I think at least when they started selling them, they must have been selling them at cost more yeah, or less. Yeah, no, right? yeah, that's yeah, the uh, less than that actually. I think so. The idea was to get get them in people's hands and then getting people to buy things through them is the idea. Yeah, get people onto the marketplace. <laughs> yeah, as if. <laughs> I just I, they just got me addicted to a really awful buggy Russian made phone game. I've been playing Dino dating simulators, so I have nothing to say. Well, see, yeah, yeah, uh, no, your buggy Russian dating phone games doesn't really narrow it down, now does it? No. Um, okay, hell, let's see. You, should, you and I should do a, a, a video together sometime, uh, comrade communicator, uh, for the. Diet soap. Uh, I'm sorry, God. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, oh, definitely, definitely. Um. Okay. Well, shit. Uh, where do we go from here? Um. Well, unless anybody else in the uh, symboled, uh, either physical or virtual space, has any other questions? Uh, anybody else have any? Um, Jacob, you have uh, any thoughts or? Uh, I was just curious about your. I, I don't expect you to necessarily know this offhand, but maybe if you could look it up or something. Uh, what's the providence of that uh, Che nuclear quote? Uh, what is the providence of it? Shit, I, I don't remember offhand. Um, uh, yeah, for all I know, I've been quoting the Black Book of Communism all my life. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I looked it up somewhere, and it looked. I, I got I got along a chain of something that looked like it was at least a legitimate newspaper report of the time. Uh, but I, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that I, I did my due diligence at some point many years ago. But at this point, it's less than useless because I can't tell you what the uh, providence is. But okay, I'm pretty sure that I, I, I don't think it's that hard to find through, like, you know, uh, at least a little rabbit hole of, uh, of, of of like Wikipedia footnotes and and what those lead to, you know. Yeah, well, I was reluctant to bring up the Spielberg Reagan thing until I actually saw that Spielberg had just recently confirmed it. So, uh, you know, I understand. Oh my God, that's that's pretty great. That's pretty great. We yeah, uh, we we. But, uh, uh, it, it should be it should be reaffirmed out. We do live in the dumbest of all timelines. So yes, we are in the stupidest of all timelines, and I experience that every day. I'm trying to think of a stupider one. <laughs> have you visited more than one? You know, you have to really get one to Dadaism there. It's not going to happen. No, I just I just imagine one where it's like this timeline only everyone is literally is painted up and dressed like a clown, but that 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 that, that at least seems so, to I'm sorry, but sense, being you know? painted up and dressed like <laughs> no, a clown that, that, is my life right no, that's, now. No, that's better. That's the, that's <laughs> That is definitely better. That's that's the, yeah, that's that's you that's know, at least yeah. honest. Yeah, honestly, that's that's like you know, Fel, you know, Fellini esque. That's a uh, that's an aspirational status that we should reach. Exactly. Where, where do we go from here in our recording? That I, think, is... I think we're I think we're wrapping it up. Here. I think, yeah, I, yeah. I feel bad for Jacob because Jacob had a plan where he was gonna tell us everything we needed to know. We were gonna ask questions. Well, I'm looking at Jacob and right now, ask... and he looks really upset. Yeah. I'm just bored. Does he, <laughs> Jacob? Do you feel no. upset? No, he's not upset. It's no, just the this fact is that about he... what I expected. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is how this UFO conversations go. I'm sorry. Well, so. I've been an agent of chaos. No, no I love agents of chaos. You actually brought some linear, you know, systematic thinking to a conversation that was all over the place before you even started. God, so. I have no idea how the hell I'm going to, like, edit <laughs> I'm this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, feel, I feel that we have just scratched the tip of the iceberg. Does that make any sense? And that... Uh, 
not oh, you only need this, follow up uh, you, comrade communicator, need episode? to come back someday yeah. on to the, give the microphone to the wrong guy. Giving the mic I'm sorry. <laughs> Giving no, the microphone to the wrong guy. Soap Zero Books uh, <laughs> podcast as well. And um, I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Oh, I would love to. It's been my pleasure. And by the way, I want to apologize uh, for any time I, I interrupted people. That I, Either there's a lag or... I'm terrible at uh, at gauging social cues when there's bad sound quality. Not at all. Uh, no, you did but, fine. Uh, but I just want to issue a general apology for also just for that. I'm, I just did yeah, it again. No, I'm yeah, sorry. This is, no, no. You're, it's, it's you're completely fine. Yeah, you, we, Skype, we, we, Skype. Yeah, I was to say, we, we're running uh, we're a phone call through a Skype call. You know, across the country, so we got we got some propagation delay. Um, all I'm gonna yeah, say Skype is literally blacklisted me for some reason. I don't know what. They <laughs> no, I, like I said, I, I, I'm following the dolphin people. On there was a classic uh, issue with uh, Art Bell's call-in show where people would never have problems until they were actually calling in to discuss UFOs, and all of a sudden they would just have a wave of phone issues and, you know, would report them? clicks and noises afterwards. Definitely wow. making sure that they couldn't talk about No, this literally things. happened to me. This, this, no, no, no. Like, for years, I just, you know, I, I always, I only use Skype just basically to talk to my boyfriend. That's what I use Skype for. Okay. And Where's then suddenly, at? once I start this Posadas thing, I, I try to use Skype again. <sighs> like, you know, it's my account's been canceled. And I make a new account. I use it once. Come back, try to use it again. My account's been canceled. It keeps happening. Ever since I, I this is this is actually ever since I started doing this Posadas thing. Ever since I met the comrade high commander on the beach. Wow, you're suggesting there's uh, a connection then. So wow. this is this is this is this is yet another uh, paranormal encounter I've had. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not I'm I'm not even I'm 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 like I'm only about uh, I'm only about fifteen uh, percent kidding too. <laughs> you know the thing about that is. You've had these paranormal encounters, and you rarely leave the house. Imagine what would it's happen true. to you if you did. Well, I, I leave. I mostly, I mostly leave the house uh, to go to the beach, so I rarely leave the house this time of year. Uh. <laughs> how is how much of uh, Coney Island is like currently underwater, or at least been re uh, reconfigured thanks to uh, was it Hurricane Sandy or? The better oh, you question know, is that, how much the, is going to be underwater. There, there's in... been lasting infrastructural damage uh, to us, like some trees gone, but I uh, didn't do much to the coastline. I think the uh, the stone head carvings uh, that were uh, above the sand not long before Sandy have not returned. But that's mm. you know that's that's not really that big a thing. You, you know, it's like it's just a few feet of sand along the shore. Oh, okay. um, so so it has had no lasting geographical impact, shall we say? I mean, I think. There may have been, you know, some work on that. I know they uh, they built up some dunes and shit for the next couple of years, but uh, no, it's still uh, like the uh, the amusements are operational uh, in the summer. Uh, you know, it's uh, there, there's some things sadly that are gone and will never come back. I'm I'm pretty sure that the uh, old uh, uh, tattoo parlor bar that uh, hosted uh, like hardcore and metal shows uh, when I was a kid that I never went to because I was a dork and didn't know about it. <laughs> But went to like one goes, fucking yeah. show the year before it closed is gone now, and there's something really stupid there. So that's 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 the main impact that Sandy has had on Coney Island that's uh, lasted as far as I'm concerned. Wow, that's sad. Uh, Sorry uh, for that digression. No, no, that's no. <laughs> trust me, the, the, we we have very few digre- you know irrelevant digressions on this show. Um, all I can say is. 
Yeah, thanks for uh, being because you are three. Uh, you're three time zones ahead of us, so thank you for being, uh, you know, open for being contacted. Damn near last minute oh, from yeah. a bunch of us, you know, in a couple different locations in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and and I say this sincerely. Yeah, it's we seriously need a follow up episode to the point where because at least two um, in um, in the the main you know uh, in quotes studio that uh, three of us are in. We are we're active DSA members. Um, we are uh, extremely interested. We think it'd be fucking hilarious to have like. You know the uh, the DSA uh, Posadas Caucus talk to say the Portland uh, DSA chapter for shits and giggles, and also the uh, the UFO convention in, in McMinnville just for the fuck of it. You know, uh, we'll figure well, something we, we, out. We currently we're currently uh, not in good terms with the Posadas Caucus because they I, I we they did not bring up uh, the disclosure question at the convention, and the DSA being uh, an electoralist uh, social democratic formation. The, their role, if they have any role in the communist movement, it should be to push for disclosure. That seems like a ridiculous omission. Oh, um, no, no, sorry. You need to get in there and get the Posadas Caucus to, to c- fall under the proper discipline of Comrade High Commander and demand disclosure. We okay. Well, we uh, that is a, that is a topic for future times. Um, I will say this: it's it, you know I will say DSA membership has been quite interesting, um, especially since like last night I got to meet and uh, got a nice photo with uh, uh, Sylvia, Sylvia Federici, which was really cool. Um, oh, very nice. Yeah, uh, it's it's it was actually astounding because like you know you kind of tiny radical Italian communist uh, grandmother just like go off well yeah just go off and like just stand on the stage with like her handheld mic and like you know address the entire crowd for like two and a half hours. It was like wow, this was uh, this was thrilling. That, that does sound awesome. Yeah.